Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff. And guys, it's Monday. Welcome to a brand new week. May it be filled with triumph and victory in the path that lay ahead of you. We are so glad that your path brought us here today. And I am, of course, joined today by writer, director, producer, toy aficionado, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, today is the beginning of a great week, and I just want to point out two things that happened this week. One, it's the 50th anniversary of The Godfather. Ooh. But it is also the birthday of the greatest, greatest good Canadian kid who ever lived, ever. I'm, of course, talking about the 91st birthday of Mr. William Shatner. The Shat turns 91. Tomorrow, 91, March 22nd. Happy birthday, Bill. 91 years old. He's 90. Wow. Yeah, he's 91 now. He's been to he's space, well John. And, and by the way, this is a good opportunity to let people know, remind people. We told them last week, but of course, Movie Club, the next meeting of Movie Club is tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for those of you joining us. And our movie to celebrate the 50th anniversary of what some consider to be the greatest movie of all time, The Godfather. We are talking about The Godfather tomorrow. So guys, if you haven't had a chance to watch The Godfather yet, Here's your opportunity. Now you got a reason to jump on board with that. Check it out and then come and join us for our discussion about one of the greatest movies ever made, The Godfather. Make sure you come and join us for that. Also joining us today, her car got her here today. Yeah. Miss Chris Carr is here. Chris, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. My friend gave me, you know that meme of the dog that's just like, this is fine with everything fine on fire? with all the flames. She gave them. me earrings of those because of my life. <gasps> Oh my God, that was so cool. Wow. That was adorable, so cute. But uh, there'll be a car at some point. To all the lovely people, once again, who are DMing me to take the bus, it takes three hours. Yes. I'm not even on the show that long, y'all. Yeah. Calm down, I'll get here when I can. Taking taking the bus from where you are to where we are is yeah. a little little bit of a stretch. I appreciate the concern, but like, <laughs> Also joining us today, and he's joining you guys in the live chat. He's yes, sitting sir. here in the room with us right over here. It's Ray Orr. Ray, how you doing? Um, greatest movie ever. We'll see about that. Oh, that's oh, right. Ray's about to watch that... The Godfather. Well, it takes, I have my know. doubts. <laughs> he has your doubts? He has yeah. his doubts. What are you What are you doubtful of? Well, are you because... just like, man, I deal with an Italian man every day. <laughs> I'm, I'm just hoping it hasn't gone past its time. I don't know. <laughs> oh, it has. Okay. It's timeless. Okay. It's timeless. We'll see. We'll see. It's timeless. Um, and guys... Of course, it's good to have you here. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break the show down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to take some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. If you're watching live, and only if you're watching live, and you want to get a comment or question read on the show, simply fire it into the Super Chat feature, and we'll read it after we get through the main topics today. I just turned them on. People are wondering why they haven't been turned on yet. I just turned them on. So, uh, And they will be on for a little while but not terribly long. I usually have to turn them off within five or 10 minutes. So if you got a thought or opinion, observation, question, whatever you want to send in, get that in there now within the next few minutes while the things are still open. Also, a little bit of housekeeping for you guys. If you need your daily fix of the John Campia show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're commuting, you're at the gym, whatever. Good news, there's an audio-only version of the show called simply the John Campia show 
podcast. And it is available right now on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Go on over and subscribe to it now. Also, our show Movie Club, which we're talking about, we're doing The Godfather tomorrow. It also has its own audio podcast feed, which you can go and listen to it on, again on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Movie Club, a John Campia show podcast. Go and find it on your favorite podcast app, and it'll be there when you need it. Okay, guys. With that down, let's get on to a couple of off-the-tops here, shall we? And our first off-the-top is this. Rob, I don't know if you're aware of this, um, but they announced a little bit ago that uh, Disney Plus has this little show coming. Really? About a mummy of some sorts. I think they call him Moon Knight. And the the show is rapidly approaching here. What are we, less than two weeks away now you're from kidding. Moon Knight? Yeah? Are you excited? Are you pumped? I, 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 no idea. He has just no idea that it was yes, coming. Yes, John. I, I, you know, every time I got to tell you, I, you know, I won't be too graphic, but I just need to say that they, there was like a thirty-second new spot with more action scenes, and then you directed me to a clip that was dropped today. I mean, I, I don't think not since the Empire Strikes Back was coming out. Have I felt this kind of anticipation, John? Wow. I mean, I, I got to tell you, and before that, it was Star Trek, the motion picture. I, 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 the fact that this exists at all, I think, John, that they made this just for me. Kevin Feige was probably thinking, what is the next Marvel show we should do? You know, we could do all these characters. We could do, we have a pantheon of famous characters, but we're going to do a character that nobody really knows and no one, no one could even tell you what the defining, defining storyline of that character is because Rob Burnett wants it. <laughs> I love that he's looking out for you like that. What a sweetie. It's so nice of Kevin Feige to be so concerned about you that way. And, and concern he has shown because we have been getting now, the marketing for this show has been picking up and we've been talking about it lately. This is clearly a, a a decidedly different iteration of Moon Knight than we've seen in the comic books. It's its own iteration in many ways. Yeah, it's an amalgamation of An things. amalgamation of various kind of runs of it. But today they put out a new clip. Dude. That is simply called, and I knew the clip was probably going to be fun, when I saw that the name of the clip was simply called Summon the Suit. But we get a couple of very, it's a short clip, about 40, 50 seconds long, I think. But we get a couple of looks at a couple of things in here, including, first of all, an acknowledgement in a clip that he can summon this, the entity of Moon Knight, whatever it is he becomes, he summons the suit. And now he doesn't do the summoning in this clip, but we get to see a couple of things we haven't seen. Number one, Handsome Hawk puts his powers on display. He starts, number one, chanting in beautiful Egyptian is all I can assume he's speaking there. If he's the Sun King, you know, I don't know. And then he, of course, he hits the floor. This almost like Cassilius purple dark magic. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not sitting here saying there's any connection between what's happening here in Moon Knight and Cassilius, the villain of the first Doctor Strange movie. All I'm saying is that that energy... Cassilius, Agatha, now Handsome Hawk, all using that dirty purple magic. The dirty purple. And Mm. you thought that was, you know, a euphemism. It's not. The dirty purple magic... Dirty purple magic. ...is very, very real... Because they're all Prince fans over at They're all super big Prince fans. They are all Prince fans. Dirty mind magic. Again, I'm not saying this is connected to Cassilis. I'm saying it looks similar to that. And, of course, that that void opened up in the floor. 
uh, a little Constantine kind of like there in some way. And then the hand. Is that the jackal? Is that something else? Who knows? Something's coming out there. We also got to show off so the, the female lead of the show doing some ass kicking. I mean, is that Marlene? Is that their version of Marlene? That's I don't what know. I think. I think it is. Uh, I mean, I'm in, man. Yeah. I, in. I, I don't know for sure. And then, of course, getting to show a little bit of Mark's character. That was so cool. <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. It was a very cool clip. Rob, you know, you're the you're the biggest one freaking out the most about this show around here. You had a chance to watch this summon the suit clip. What did you think of it? Well, I think that there's a at least in my mind, they're doing a lot of very interesting. I think they're going to be defining Moon Knight's mythology moving forward from this show because Moon Knight has had many different iterations like we talked about. I don't think any of them are definitive. Um, but he was a Batman clone or when I fell in love with him, when Bill Sienkiewicz and Doug Mensch were writing him, coming off the pages or out of the pages of Werewolf by Night and the Hulk magazine into, into his own book in 1980. But then over the years, people have done many different runs, and this looks to be really leaning in to the supernatural, giving him powers, because he really didn't have powers at first. So I'm really intrigued by all of this. And, you know, I have to say, our friend Greg Alba, he'd watched the first uh, four episodes over at The Real Rejects, and uh, he and Coy, and they were talking about... Uh, how much they liked it. And I, I'm pretty uh, pretty much on the same page with Greg Alba. We've been on the show with him together here. And when he said he liked it, I'm like, yo, man, okay, that's somebody I trust. Not that I don't trust us. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but no one that. sent us the episodes yeah. to watch. I guess you need to get to 500,000 subs before that happens. <laughs> Chris, you had a chance this morning to watch this clip. What did you make of it? And where's your anticipation level for Moon Knight right now? I mean, for me, it's really about Hawk in this clip, just seeing him do that incantation, seeing him do the magic and that really low guttural voice he's using too. I mean, chills. It's so, so good. I also really love that we're seeing this bumbling Mark because Oscar Isaac, I mean, let's all be real. We usually see him as a hero, right? right. Um, and we see him uh, really taking charge of situations and, and knowing what's going on and being a leader and things like that. I'm so excited to see this version of this character and also how that's going to kind of juxtapose against the other Moon Knight personas that we know we're getting. Um, is Mark very much going to remain this way of this kind of bumbling professor? Or is he going to get a little more like finessed as we go? I think he's not. I think yeah. something has trapped him in this. Yeah. Something mm. has tried to suppress who and what he is. Well, we've already seen some clicks, too, where he's like having conversations with himself. Mm -hmm. He's having conversations with his own reflection. So that could give us a little bit of a clue as to where they're going yeah. with that. Maybe at some point we see them merge into one entity. Exactly. Because yeah. that's my my only thing with the Fight Club reference, right? We see Edward Norton's character really change over the course of that film, right? Or over the course of the book, if you read the Fight Club book. Um, but I'm wondering if that's going to be kind of the journey here for Mark, if everyone comes together or if they remain very separate. Because yeah, Mark Spector's ex-military, son of a rabbi. He was a badass mercenary. So something happened to poor Mark. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll find out soon. Question is for you guys. Have you had a chance to see the new clip for Moon Knight Summon the Suit? If so, what did you think about it? Are you excited for this show? The countdown is on. What are we, nine days away? Bruh. Eight, nine days away from the show coming out. How are you guys feeling about it? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two here, shall we? Oh, it's not a main topic number two. It's our second off the top. <laughs> and our second off the top is this. You guys know that 
I believe that West Side Story was the best film of the year. I, I, I and I was not big on it going into it. I, I was skeptical. I, I whatever. But to me, it's actually quite easily the best film of the year. Even though right now it looks like Coda has all the momentum going into the Oscars. Yeah, Coda baby. has all the momentum. And this going lady into the over here. Oh, I knew it. I felt called it. Called Coda months ago. Oh. Said months ago, Coda was going to be the film going in, and it looks like it just may well be. I'm so excited for it. Now, of course, one of the stars of West Side Story, Rachel Zegler, who like just burst onto the scene, captured hearts and imaginations. She was incredible. Now, she was upstaged a bit by Du Bois, who who's gonna who's in the running at the Oscars for Best Supporting Actress. She's just won several of the major awards. She's got to be considered maybe a front runner to win Best Supporting Actress going in. But West Side Story is, is more importantly nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Generally speaking, when a movie is nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, the star of that movie will be invited. It's an assumption that the star, multiple of the stars, will be at the Academy Awards that year to be present to represent the film. I understand Anson Elgort is one of the leads of this film, but Rachel is the lead. The heart, Yeah, in our hearts and everything, but she she's the lead. Du Bois stole the show, yes, but Rachel was amazing in this movie, and it's it's her film. She's the lead. She is the main character. Anita needs a Maria to play off of. Absolutely. And yet, when she was asked on social media recently what she's going to wear at the Academy Awards, I don't know if I can find the exact quote, but a fan asked her what she was going to wear, and basically her response on social media was, well... Since I didn't get invited, I'll be wearing pajamas and my boyfriend's flannels. To which people asked if she was joking, and she was like, no, I tried. I reached out. She could not get an invitation to the Academy Awards. Now look, before we go off on this, let me point something out. There are macro issues and then there are micro issues, all right? There are big issues like that the Academy deals with, like, do we make an idiotic, moronic brain fart of a best popular movie category at the Oscars? That's a macro issue. There are, do we, you know, present some of the awards prior to the show and then broadcast them during the show? That's a larger scale issue. The invite list and who happens to sit in one of the chairs in a 4,000-seat auditorium, this is a micro-issue. I don't want to blow it out of proportion. It is a micro-issue. And even well, let me say this first, very well could be written down to an oversight. Could, could be a mistake, all right? Could be a mistake. But what the hell? Really, what the hell? The star of the best film of the year at the very least nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, not invited, and in case it was just an oversight at first, and just a mistake, oops, fell through the cracks. That happens. I've been in the Dolby Theater many, 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 many times where the, where the Academy Awards are being held. It's a big place. And one person, one invitation lost in the mail, whatever, that can happen. But when she says, she actually then reached out and said, um, excuse me, I was in this little movie this year. Can I come? No. 
No. What? Excuse me? The star of a picture nominated for Best Picture of the Academy Awards is not invited to the Academy Awards. Okay. And again, we may find out soon, guys. For We, we may get a, a press release or whatever from the Academy Awards saying, this was a massive oversight on our part. The person over in charge of this thing, they made a mistake. Once we once it elevated to us and we became aware of the situation, we corrected it quickly. And all, and all that may happen. But I got to ask, having already acknowledged this is a micro issue, okay? Why is it that when I think of the board of the Academy right now, I hear the Benny Hill music playing in my head <laughs> with an image of that old thing of 25 <clears throat> clowns getting out of a car and running around in circles. Here comes the Academy. I mean, that's actually, that's I'm not going to soon forget that, John. <laughs> I mean, that is what? What? I mean, and I get it. Oversight. But she actually right reaches out and contacts him and says, can I please come? And the answer is no. Who the fuck is going that is more important than the star of a Best Picture nominated exactly. thing? Because I'll tell you what, if I was going, I mean I, I mean, I get it. Every seat in this theater is spoken for. I get it. And now to have her come means somebody's going to have to lose their seat. I get it. And that's an uncomfortable situation. I get that. And it means it's really unfortunate for some nobody. Like, say, if I got to actually go this year, I've never been to the Academy Awards. It would be my lifelong dream. Me but too. make no mistake, I'm a nobody. And there are going to be nobodies there. There's yep. like 4,000 seats like me. And would it suck if I actually found out my dream of going to the Academy Awards? Hey, listen, Mr. Campbell, we're sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a makeup for this. We'll make up for it. But we got to take your seat away because we didn't have a thing. I would get it. I would get it. And somebody just needs to lose their seat because the star of a Best Picture nominated thing needs to be at the Academy Awards. And I cannot believe something this monumental has slipped through the cracks. Anyway, Rob, you hear about the situation. Rachel, what's your first impressions of this? Well, I think the Benny Hill music is very apropos when it comes to where the Academy is at. <laughs> uh, first of all, you know, I've been reading a lot about the Academy, especially this weekend. There was a big article in The Hollywood Reporter about how the Academy Museum sort of glosses over the fact that Hollywood was founded by Jewish immigrants. And Chaim Saban, he was their biggest donor, who's Jewish, and donated $50 million. And they, they're very upset about that at the Academy Museum. Here is a, here's a woman, a beautiful woman of color, who had a breakthrough performance. She's starring as Snow White, and the Academy wants to get younger people involved. They want people to be on the red carpet that younger people look at and go, wow, I would think that she would be front and center as one of the very first people that would be invited to the Academy Awards with her breakthrough performance in West Side Story, starring as arguably one of the most iconic animated characters, if not the most iconic animated characters translated into live action, which, by the way, I think is perfect casting. Snow White. Did anyone? Stop and think who who when they were making up lists thinking like, OK, West Side Story, huh? Who's in this movie that's nominated for Best Picture? One of the five. Why? Why wouldn't you want her to be one of the first people walking down that red carpet to be interviewed by the press to see what designer is going to put their dress onto her? She's going to look like a zillion dollars at the Academy Awards. Oh, wait. No, no, she won't. No, somebody's hairstylist needs a seat. 
Jennifer Aniston's hairstylist needs a seat. By the yeah. way, I'm making that up. I'm not. What? I don't know. That's She's true not going. What shipping service does the Oscars use? Probably because UPS. I'm U- USPS <laughs> has been pretty rough lately. Yeah, maybe, maybe, the, maybe just her neighbor got the Oscar yeah, tracking number, right? It's like, it. hey, I, I, this might be for my neighbor Rachel. She's in that movie, where I'm sure it's for me. Right. But I, I don't know, Chris. You heard about this? What do you think? It seems so dumb. Because okay, also with her being Snow White in a Disney live action remake. The Oscars are on ABC, which Disney owns. You would think. What is happening? And by the way, West Side Story is a Fox movie, which Disney also yeah, owns. Like what in Pooh Perfect he- he- Heaven is happening? I don't I don't understand. And I'm so mad about it. Because, I, I, by the way, I saw somebody write in the chat. I saw somebody, and I didn't respond to it this time. Somebody wrote in the chat. It's like, there's no way Disney, who owns ABC, didn't orchestrate this because they want the attention on their own movies. Well, I, I would say this. Number one. <laughs> There are 4,000 people going to this thing. They're not really concerned about this. Number two, she is going to be the star of a major Disney film that is is coming out as well. So, I mean, and also the network ABC actually has no control over the invite list for who is sitting in the audience. That's actually not under their control. So I just want to clear that up. If it was, she'd be going. If it was, she would clearly be going. And like what you were saying, though, John, too, of, you know, if you had to be bumped, if you were going and you had to be bumped, you would understand. Actors, comedians, we get bumped all the time for bigger talent. Logan was supposed to do a show at the comedy store where he was going to finally get to headline. Craig Robinson showed up. Mm. No show for Logan. And that's just how it goes. That's just what happens. It's happened to me before where I've been on set and somebody better, like a better name came along and it's, hey, Chris, we're cutting your part and it's going to go to this person. There's no better name. Thank you, Rob. You sweetie. They just didn't know. They just didn't know what they had. But like we know. We know what it's like to be bumped, like make room for the star of this movie who a lot of times leads their whole job too is just to ground everything. And the supporting cast gets to be the more fun roles. Like let's call a spade a spade. Supporting actor roles are always way more fun, way more interesting typically than your lead because your lead is supposed to be likable, a romance interest, yada, yada, yada. Your tertiary characters, they're ones who get to cut loose and help build that world and be zany. Right. Oh, I was just saying all signs lead to a great Oscar show. It started with the. <laughs> It started with a. It started with the host, right? I mean, tell me, have we not had a problem per week? I, we're not going to show the oh, this. We're going to have these three hosts, and now. Yeah. I, I mean, Rob, you raise a great point too about the fact that look, you are wanting to expand the demographic base. You want mm-hmm. to appeal to the younger audience as well, and. Rachel is that mm-hmm. she's I mean, right. She should be the first person walking down the red carpet that night. Well, she should have hosted. It would have been better than what we get. <laughs> Come on. I mean, not to denigrate the, I'm sure the ladies are going to do a fine job, but in terms oh, of, I like all three of them. Don't in get terms me wrong, of wanting, I, I mean, you know what, in terms of representing a dream, Rachel Ziegler, she, she has been singing from a very early age. She's put in the time. She's a lifer in the show business world. And, and yet she also represents everything that we have been talking about in America over the last decade. And, <laughs> Who didn't think about this? Like, like you said, so breaking news of uh, the, the Academy has pulled together an emergency meeting of the board, uh, which, which we can see here. Um, and they are going to try to, they're going to try to figure out 
the Academy Board is going to try to figure out what is going on. You should have had the breaking news thing right before. Missed it. I didn't have it here available waiting for me. Unfortunately, it should always be available <laughs> along with the representation of the birth of Hollywood. Yeah. Anyway, guys, on that. the question is for you. What do you think about this? Uh, Rachel, the star of a movie nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, did not get an invite even when she reached out and asked to come, and they told her no. <laughs> well, I'm sure whoever got her request was like, "We don't. I've never heard of you. Never heard of yeah. her. Yeah, no. Nope. Uh, you know, no cursory Google search. They got some like bouncer at the door saying, sorry, you're not on the list. Yeah. Are you sure? Can you look at the next page? If you just let me in, Steven Spielberg can vouch for me. No, nope, yeah. don't see on the you list. You know, the people that used to work for the Academy would recognize the stars of the movies that are nominated for Best Picture. That they used to do that. They used to understand. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you make of this whole situation? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. We want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this video, Coinbase. Have you found yourself curious about getting involved in cryptocurrency? But if you're like a couple of friends of mine who have been really interested in it, they felt kind of overwhelmed by it, like not even knowing how to get started. Well, that's where Coinbase comes in because they make learning to buy and sell crypto simple. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy to use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies on the market and make them accessible to everyone. They offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and a mobile app so you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place. And that's why millions of people all over the world in a hundred different countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. So whether you're looking to diversify, just getting started, or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase. And for a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at Coinbase.com slash campia sign up at coinbase.com slash campia for ten dollars in free bitcoin this offer is for a limited time only so be sure to sign up today that's coinbase.com slash campia and a big thanks to the folks at coinbase for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show all right guys with that down, let's get into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campy Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? This one comes from Kyle Ginder. John, I just read a lengthy article talking about the falling out between Iger and Chapek, which you've talked about before. The article goes on to say how Chapek removed power from Disney division veterans with 20 to 30 years experience and gave it to one person, Kareem Daniel, who has no experience running these divisions, but Iger didn't like giving Kareem MD so much control because Disney is too diverse and a complex company. John, what's your take on this article? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And uh, yeah, listen, it has been well known and well documented that there is uh, tomfoolery afoot uh, over at Disney for a while. Now, look, I just to sum this all up, I was very much in favor of Bob Chapek at first being named the, the successor to Bob Iger. Bob Iger supported the move. 
The board of directors supported the move. He has had a lot of experience at the company. I was all for it. It wasn't until some time ago now that I, as a fan of Disney, as a big fan of Disney, started hearing some pretty disturbing things about his reorganization, taking power away from the creatives, uh, basically accumulating power structure in faithful lieutenants that he has had over people with far more experience and whatnot. And then we started to hear about tension between Bob Iger, Big Papa Iger, and Chapek, the new CEO, to the point of some pretty horrific sounding things that the two leaders, because remember, even though he handed over the reins of CEO, it's going on two years ago now, getting close there at any rate, Bob Iger was still, for the, a long time until recently, still the chairman of the board. And reports are come out that the two do not speak to each other. They, they avoid each other. They don't speak to each other. That's not good for a company. Now, CNBC has put out a new report today detailing just how bad it's gotten over there and the fact that to this day now, employees and executives over at Disney are still calling Bob Iger, asking for him to intervene and help because they deem it as becoming awful. That Disney is precariously positioned right now and things is just getting bad. This is basically some of the highlights of what comes out of this CNBC article. Number one, that, that Chapek and CEO uh, Bob Iger's relationship soured after Iger gave comments to the New York Times about wanting to help Chapek run the company during the pandemic. Now, this is a part of this that we've known about for a while, that there was a New York Times article. This is back when Iger was still with the company, and he was saying to, without Bob Chapek there, he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm co-leading this company right now. I mean, I've got 15 years experience running this thing. I'm stepping in to relieve. And that was news to Chapek. Or at least Chapek didn't like it none too much that Bob Iger was telling the press that Big Papa Iger was holding his hand. And to a degree, I get why he would be a little bit miffed at that. Sure. But, you know, you also got to suck it up and understand that Bob Iger is right. He has led this company for 15 years. We're in the middle of a global pandemic in a, in a challenge, the likes of which Disney has never faced one of their biggest businesses closed down. Well, theme I mean, parks. the movie theaters closed down. The theme parks closed down. Cruise ships. I mean, everything about them was suffering. And he was there and gave this interview, said that apparently that really rubbed Chapek the wrong way. And, and to a degree, I get it. But that apparently, which doesn't sound like it's much on the surface, apparently that was the catalyst of completely souring their relationship. The article was on to talk more about... Uh, to this day, the numerous Disney employees and executives continue to call Bob Iger over their dissatisfaction with Chapek's leadership. We've heard that everything from the top of creative people being upset about creative decisions. The Pixar people have reached out to Iger, unhappy with how their movies have been handled. Obviously, a lot of dissatisfaction over the Scarlett Johansson situation. We're not going to get into the political stuff, but there was the issue with the legislation going on in Florida. A lot of people very upset about that. I mean, just basically... Some people at Disney consider what's going on there right now a gong show. Now, one of the Perhaps biggest the points, Benny Hill theme is not the not to the degree of the <laughs> Benny Hill theme music, <laughs> but it's gotten to the point now that it's even becoming more and more of an issue that the creatives are getting further upset by the realities of this new power structure because creatives and Iger, Bob Iger included, was upset 
with taking away majority control and power of the major divisions of Disney from their creative executives to give it to longtime Bob Chapek loyalist Kareem Daniel. And this is what one executive at Disney says, an anonymous source at Disney says, he arguably has the most important job at Walt Disney outside of the CEO role, and he has almost no experience running any of these businesses that were previously run by people that had decades of experience, said some former co-workers. And that's kind of the hilt of it. And again, it's coming up to a bubble again with everything going on in Florida, whatever. But the point is that there are still lines drawn at Disney. There are still people reaching out asking for Iger to come back and help me, Obi-Wan Iger, your only hope, asking him to come back. And by the way, at this point, I, I held on some hope that it's that maybe Iger might come back to write the ship. I don't believe he's going to do that. On He's moved on. He's now on the board of several other companies, and he's paving his way forward himself. But it shows that this is a Disney company that for the first time in 15 years is facing a little bit of a crisis internally. We haven't heard in 15 years, guys. The Mouse House was a very happy place to be. Mm-hmm. Not everybody loved the Mouse House, no. but if you were in the house, it was a pretty happy place to be, from what I understand, from people that I know that work there. But what we're hearing now in just a couple of short years of Bob Chapek being at the helm, we are now hearing a lot of fractions, a lot of discord, a lot of upset executives. Mm-hmm. People now even questioning the creative direction of the company. I mean, it's gotten bad. And and again, we have talked about this before, but the fact that today that CNBC is pointing out that this is still a problem right now. Iger is still getting calls from executives. I told you guys that a couple of weeks ago, I got an email from a Disney executive talking about how he knows that there are people setting up safety nets for themselves at other studios right now because they believe it's almost time to ditch. It's time to abandon ship. And the question becomes, at what point does the Disney board intervene and say, we need to make a change? Now, I have been an advocate that Bob Chapek needs minimum three years. I believe you have to give an executive a minimum of three years to truly show what their vision can do. But in the last 52 weeks alone, Disney's stock has dropped 30%. CNBC's article points out that under the current administration, it's continued. Now, of course, it dropped a lot before that because of the pandemic. But just in the last year, when a lot of things seem to be in recovery, their stock has dropped. Disney Plus's growth has slowed. And even though I am an advocate for giving him at least another full year to truly show if his vision can turn this around, it's it's not hyperbole to say the situation might be becoming dire. So, Rob, let me ask you this. You read this report and heard this. I think you were the first person to send me this report, actually. Dude, I got up and I read this thing. and I'm like, oh, John's got to read this article. Yeah, I, and, and, and it's, I think it's pretty telling. But you look at this article. What are the things in it that stand out to you the most? And secondly, do you think Disney could at some point look at making a change at the top? I would have thought it impossible not long ago, but I don't know. What do you think about this? Well, you know, this article talked a little bit about anyone who works in the entertainment business in any capacity, whether you're you're an artisan that's working on movies, whether you're working in the corporate hallways of power, whatever. Everyone knows that the very first thing that you need to master to get ahead in this business is interpersonal relationship skills. Bob Iger had that in spades. Apparently, I never 
despite all the jokes, I never actually did go to Jeffrey's and have lobster with him on Sundays. I never played squash with the man. But by the way, to your point, that you just, I just want to point this out because you just brought up an excellent point. One of the things the article states is that executives at Disney are saying Bob Iger or Bob Chapek has no, quote, emotional intelligence. Yes. Which he is can't read key. the room, he I think, is the what room. they say. Yeah. This is a huge problem. I mean, and you can see just look at pictures of Bob. Google search Bob Iger. Whenever you see pictures of him, first of all, he's a handsome man. He's always smiling. Whenever you see him with people, it, there's clearly a warmth that emanates from the guy. And he's Machiavellian like the best corporate raiders should be, I suppose. I mean, you know, I'm going to go buy Pixar. I'm going to go buy Marvel. I'm going to go get Lucasfilm. And I'm going to sacrifice John Carter to do it. I mean, whatever. He, The guy was amazing. By the way, I just want to point out this picture. that You can't see where you are right no. now. But this picture I have up on the screen with you. One of them looks like your favorite uncle. One of them looks like a future Harry Potter villain. I, 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 he looks like the others, and I don't want to be mean, but he does look like the other side of Quirrell when does. we're still figuring out how Voldemort looks. <laughs> it's, again, I'm kind of mean and whatever. I just think that that picture kind of sums it all up uh, that we're looking at. Yeah, I mean, Bob Iger, when he was a young man, was like was in the he was like, I remember a story. I think it's in his book where where Frank Sinatra gives him a lighter or something and he still has it like he worked with the greats he didn't just show up as some corporate entity bob chapek is a corporate animal that i don't think probably had the kind of experience that bob Iger did uh growing up and working in the business and i think what we're seeing is look i do not envy bob chapek's position he's coming in on the heels of one of the most beloved executives in the entertainment business so difficult so difficult. And what he's trying to do is what any any leader does, surround himself with loyalists so he can get his agenda done. The problem is the loyalists that Bob Chapek is picking are more along his speed. And he's not he just the skill set he from a corporate standpoint, he's worked his way up in Disney. On paper. But so often, corporations, when they look at something on paper, are not taking into consideration because how do you talk about someone's personal magnetism or interpersonal skills? Those kinds of things don't really show up on the spreadsheets that corporations look at to hire. And I think that's a big problem. Yeah. Let well, me ask you guys this. If I say this statement, tell me how you reflect. To me, the Bob Chapek, Bob Chapek has been in this company a long time. He's clearly a very smart dude. But this is highlighting to me that there is a difference between a good executive and a leader. And yes. right now, Bob Chapek does not strike me as a leader at all. I don't know, Chris, well, what do you think? That's about what I wanted thing? to bounce off of what was Rob, Rob was saying is that term loyalist, right? Mm -hmm. We are looking at someone who is loyal to Chapek, not loyal to a company, not loyal to an ideology of the greater good of the Disney brand. When you're working in any field, you don't want a bunch of yes men around you, all right? You want people who are going to challenge you and make you make the best products, films, um, you know, ideas possible. And that means you're going to have some people who have different perspectives than you, different ideologies, but all who are coming from the same, you know, culture, corporate culture, that is, of we need to make the Disney company the best it's ever been. And right now it's, we need to do what Chapek wants to do. And I think the dismissal of all these creatives and I think the focus on a lot of these more corporate ideologies is really, really hurting them. Do you know, to speak to that, John, do you know what Bob Chapek, well, you know what Bob Iger was? Bob Iger was a modern incarnation of Walt Disney. He I had agree. the vision. He was able to go out and go after these things like Lucasfilm. Disney needs 
a Walt Disney mm. in order to 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 do what the Magic Kingdom is supposed to do. You need an Imagineer. Uh, you need an Imagineer. You need someone like that. Bob Chapek is a corporate animal. He doesn't have any magic. Ooh. And Disney needs magic to lead that company. Mm-hmm. Bob Iger had the magic, but you know what? Not all magicians. One day you got to you got to take off your hat, your Fantasia hat and put it down. The broomsticks are not <laughs> going to work for you anymore. But one day you're at Gisden and you have to pass on that hat to Mickey. And then he goes bananas with some brooms and buckets. I'm but telling you. You're real it in. talking about real life or are you can talking about? <laughs> talking some Fantasia. You know? about the, world the 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 a Disney leader needs the Fantasia to yeah. leave. But you know, one of the other interesting things in this article that this points out, and this is a great example. Look, Bob Iger was not blind to the realities of an evolving digital world. Mm-hmm. Like before Bob Iger left, he's like Disney Plus. People forget this. Disney Plus is Bob Iger's baby. He and he, the reason he stayed on as long as he did was he made sure he wanted to get that network launched. He made several major moves to kind of reinforce and bolster the whole digital digital strategy. He made a reorganization to give more authority to that. But he made sure that his creative executives still maintained power over their individual branches, didn't interfere with their with their, their creations and all that kind of stuff. Bob Chapek came along and took what Bob Iger started, but then took it to a more extreme degree, taking all power and authority and putting it under his one left right-hand guy. And it, it's perturbed a lot of people. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this article that we had coming out here from CNBC about the situation? Does it continue to deteriorate? Do you guys think at some point the Disney board may intervene and actually make a change? Or do you think, nope, this is the way it's gonna be now for Disney. What do you guys think? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? Chris, what is our second main topic today? This is from Mr. Crisp 13 Ooh. Good morning, Campia crew. I saw a recent article from Business News Australia that a Godzilla versus Kong reboot was planned to film in Australia. It spoke how it would inject some much-needed money into the economy and spur temporary jobs. What's your guys, gals, thoughts about this? Y'all do a great job. Keep up the good work. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And uh, yes, Godzilla versus Kong. You can't overemphasize, I think, how perfect of a situation was, given that we were in the context of a pandemic, we have an other than New Mutants, which was just kind of a, a, an, a an anomaly that kind of came out in the middle of the pandemic. They tried putting it out in the theaters, didn't quite work, whatever. But it was really Godzilla versus Kong that was that first movie to come along that made people excited. It was really, I mean, a couple of things had trickled in, but it really was Godzilla versus Kong that was the true first big tentpole, high-profile film that we could go and see. And what a first one it was. That that was the movie we needed at that time. Because I remember walking into that movie theater, it had been a while since we had done it on any kind of regular basis, to walk in there and see Godzilla and King Kong standing on a freaking aircraft carrier, throwing down Godzilla trying to fight the distance game, Kong trying to get inside and do some dirty boxing. It was great. <laughs> It was so much fun, despite all the magnitude of logic holes in that movie. It was so much fun, and it was the movie we needed. How do you do a second one? I don't know, but you do. 
because despite the fact that it was kind of first out of the gate and the fact that it had an HBO Max release, the film made over $400 million. One can only imagine how much it would have made, but it made over $400 million. So clearly, a part two is on the horizon. This comes from the folks at Joe Blow who write the following. State premiere, Anna, oh boy, I'm never going to say this right, Anastasia Palazukic, uh, stated that filming will take place in location across the Golden Coast. This is in New Zealand, in Queensland, New Zealand. Across the Gold Coast and the Southeast. Screen, Screen Queensland also reports that the movie will give the area a big economic boost of 58.6 million U.S. dollars and will create 505 jobs for the local cast and crew with opportunities for 750 extras. Uh, she said, I'm just going to say she, had this to say about the film shooting in Queensland. The production is expected to inject more than double the $36.5 million that Godzilla vs. Kong brought to the state and is a welcome boost to our economy as we recover from the impacts of the global pandemic and the Southeast Queensland flooding events. These types of productions benefit our screen industry, deliver local jobs, and provide a welcome boost to our small business and communities in, in and around our production sites. So, we're hearing from the government officials in New Zealand, Queensland, that this movie is getting made, and they're saying they're going to shoot this year. They're going to actually shoot it this year. Now, I will admit, while I am completely on board with, yeah, you got to do another one of these, of course you do. I don't know what you do with a Godzilla versus Kong 2. Why do they fight again? What, what, like, what breaks down? Does Kong, does Godzilla see Kong messing with his girlfriend? Does, I mean, I don't know. What happens? Why do they fight again? But look, at this point, I got to tell you, Rob, we always say story comes first. I don't care. I want to see Godzilla and Kong again on the big screen at this point. Rob, you hear about this? Any surprise that they're going to be shooting it this soon and this early? Where, what directions do you think they can go? And are you looking forward to it? Well, first of all, I mean, it makes sense because, like, I know in the movie it's Monster Island. But, of course, Australia has the opening to the center of the earth where they shot a lot of the first Godzilla versus Kong. You know where he took his sword from that whole temple. I mean, I think it's it's I think it's in the Blue Mountains in Australia where they actually go down about a hundred miles, isn't it, into the center of the earth? Isn't that where they shot? Or a thousand miles? I can't remember something yeah. like that. I can't remember. But I think what I love about this is, you know, John, I've made no uh, no uh, um, uh, a secret of my love. One of my favorite Godzilla movies is Godzilla versus Monster Zero, or Godzilla versus the Astro Monster, and in that movie. The aliens from Planet X offer to, they want to borrow Godzilla and Rodan to fight King Ghidorah. And we loan Godzilla and Rodan to these aliens. And of course it shows, it, 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 it's through plot machinations, we find out the aliens were nefarious and they launch all three monsters in, in a bid to take over the Earth. And as I've always said, John, what I've been waiting for in the, the legendary Warner Brothers MonsterVerse are aliens and specifically hot aliens in the black and silver suits that the aliens from Planet X wore in Godzilla versus the Astro Monster. Are they also kaiju? Uh, are they very large? No, 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 they're not. They're, they're, they're hot Japanese people with awesome sunglasses. <laughs> and I wanted to be one when I was a little kid. You have the controller. If you know who the controller is, Google the controller. Tell me he's not one of the coolest mofos you've ever seen. That's what you do. The aliens come in and they trump up some reason why Godzilla and uh, King Kong have to fight. And of course, they bring in other monsters and it becomes WrestleMania. <laughs> 
Chris, that's a hard one to follow up. But yeah. uh, where? Just a hard one to follow. Where to follow? But what, what do you think about this shooting later this year? So I mean, the, the pre-production's got to be almost yeah. all set and wrapped to go. Where do you think they can go with another Godzilla versus Kong? That's right. I mean, and also, who says they have to be fighting each other? What if this is their buddy cop movie? What if they've put aside their differences and they're like, oh, they just brought me back in again. And now I got to go fight other kaiju or large, attractive people. Who's to say? Well, so, combine it with Pacific Rim. <laughs> that's true, right? Do the ultimate crossover. Exactly. Jaegers versus the two of them. Yeah. And you could make that aliens as well if you want to bring in some other things. Uh, oh. I no, like the way it you writes think. Itself. It writes itself, you guys. Um, I also, just touching on this too, because when I first read the comment, I was like, are they asking if we're excited about this movie or the jobs it's putting in Australia? <laughs> Both. Yeah, we love that. <laughs> I love that film creates so many opportunities for people. And that's one of the coolest things about our industry is that one movie sparks thousands of jobs that's amazing and after all the devastation that happened with australia's uh forests and everything too pre-pandemic so we all kind of forget about it because the beginning of 2020 was just a cluster i mean i love that we're going to fuel more money into australia i love that we're doing it with this film because who doesn't want to see these two continue to do awesome ass shit and by the way i should point out that while i'm kind of referring to this as another godzilla versus kong they have not said that this is Godzilla versus Kong 2. They're simply calling it the sequel to Godzilla versus Kong. And that could be an important distinction mm-hmm. about what we see. What we do probably know is that it'll probably take place in Hollow Earth, which Hollow Earth itself carries many logical problems. But aside <laughs> from that, they, they want to deal mostly in Hollow Earth. So maybe what we're really just going to see is two hours of monster versus monster kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know that for sure. But it could be. Like, Ray, what did you think of Godzilla vs. Kong? You looking forward to another one? That description makes me think the marijuana is going to be heavily used <laughs> in the next film. Because that's the only way you can enjoy it. I, I thought the first film was good. I really thought it was good. I, You know, with me, story takes backseat. So the logic problems, it doesn't matter. You got big monsters walking on Earth. What logic do you need? What more do you need? Yeah, you throw away that. No, and man, you just you enjoy the fight. Come on, don't don't speak that way. <laughs> I love the look Ray gives him. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. Still it looks like it, Godzilla versus Kong, a sequel, is a go. They're going to start shooting it a little bit later this year. What do you guys think about that? Maybe you didn't like the original one. Maybe you loved it. Are you excited about a new one? Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? Topic three is from Greg, Greg, Greg. Hey, John, not to get all tinfoil hatty on you, but did you see the recent tweet from Deadpool 3 director Sean Levy where he put a pic of Reynolds and Ruffalo together beside a pic of Hulk and Deadpool together with the hashtag Deadpool? A bunch of people believe that this is more than a big hint that Levy plans on having Hulk in Deadpool 3. Let's say it's true. Do you think a Hulk character would work well in a Deadpool movie? Thanks. All right. Thanks for sending that in, Greg, Greg, Greg. And look, there's not (laughs) a lot of movies that I am as excited for as the idea of a Deadpool 3. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I, I think a lot of people have been absolutely stoked about this. As a matter of fact, it was one of, like, when they announced that Disney was taking over Fox, right up there with when did the X-Men come in, the real question was, what are they going to do with Deadpool? And Rob, it was years ago now. It was years ago, but you and I were at CinemaCon 
And Alan Horn, former studio chief of all things Disney, was on stage at CinemaCon, and he even twice brought up the Deadpool situation. He even put up the picture on the big screen of Ryan Reynolds in the Deadpool mask in the school bus waving hello to everybody. Like, they went out of the way to mention it, and we've been talking about it incessantly a lot. Now we see some real movement. We know that in November, Ryan Reynolds got to hard work with the writers, and we now know the original writers for Deadpool and Deadpool 2 are back. He went back into heavy writing mode. He even took a little bit, bit of a break from acting so he could focus on helping these guys develop the script for Deadpool 3. Then we found out that Free Guy director and also the director of the new Adam Project, both starring Ryan Reynolds, was going to be the director of this film. And now something uh, pretty interesting. This comes to us from the folks over at MovieWeb. Write the following. It really doesn't take much to spark a rumor about Marvel Cinematic Universe. So there is no one that will believe the Adam Project... Um, and Deadpool 3 director Sean Levy didn't know what he was doing when he shared an image of Mark Ruffalo and Ryan Reynolds with a comment of, little did I know, a Deadpool hashtag and an image of both Hulk and Deadpool in attendance. Just like that, fans are now convinced that Ruffalo will be appearing in the new Deadpool movie as the Hulk, and there is nothing that is going to make them think otherwise until it is categorically proven otherwise. Now, for those of you who don't know what he's talking about, this is the post in question. So obviously Mark Ruffalo is in the Adam project with Ryan Reynolds, Jennifer Garner, Zoe Saldana. He's in there too. And they have a couple of great scenes together. And Sean Levy, who was just recently confirmed to be the director of Deadpool three said, little did I know tagging Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo and putting in the hashtag Deadpool with, you know, a little image there of the Deadpool symbol and the Hulk. Now, of course, this is going to get people speculating. Let's be really clear here. This is the farthest thing away. This is as far away from being an official confirmation as some people are saying. This is as far away from an official confirmation that Hulk is going to be in Deadpool 3 as me eating a Taco Bell makes me an expert on Mexican cuisine, okay? This is very, very far away. That said, the reality is this. Social media is being used more and more by filmmakers and studios to hint and tease, to build excitement, all that kind of stuff. Because listen, you don't think Disney and Warner Brothers and Paramount love it when idiots like me take something like this and make it a topic on their show? Of course oh, they, they love do. it. Oh, they love it. They couldn't pay you enough. They absolutely <laughs> no. They would they would give me if only I knew how to hold out and make them do it. They would pay me so much to to, to harp Dude, on this crap. We're shilling for them for free. I know. There's something. And what does the Joker say? If you're good at something, never do it for free. And we do. And here it is for free because they knew idiots like me would look at this and see these reports. Now, listen, at first I heard about this, right? And I heard people saying, hey, man, I think uh, Sean Levy's teasing that Ruffalo is going to be in Deadpool 3. And I remember asking my buddy, I said, why? Because he put up a post with Mark Ruffalo and Ryan Reynolds in it together. And I thought, well, that's nothing. I, but I must admit, as I look at the post, 
he, they've got these shit, as my mother would call them, shit-eating grins on their face. He puts in the hashtag Deadpool and makes sure he has an image of, you know, Deadpool and, and Hulk in there. Obviously, this does not mean Hulk is in Deadpool 3. But could it? <laughs> Let's investigate this for a second. What's something that we know about Hulk in the MCU? He's friggin' everywhere right now. He is, he's kind of, <laughs> he is everywhere right now. We know he's going to be in the She-Hulk series. Mm -hmm. There has been whispers that he's going to pop up in another series that we won't talk about that right now, but there's whispers about that. But we also know this. He can't have his own movie. Exactly. He cannot have his own movie. So if you want to have Hulk in the MCU, and, and for some of you who don't know, there, there's, a, there's a rights split between Universal over Hulk and Disney, and as a result, the two sides can't make a deal, and you can't have a standalone Hulk movie. But Hulk can appear in things. And I'll tell you what, one of the very first comics I ever read as a kid was Wolverine versus Hulk. Oh. It was one of the first things I ever read. And this idea of this indestructible, smaller guy versus an unstoppable, bigger guy was awesome to read. Hulk versus Deadpool would be an amazing fight to see on screen. <laughs> like, that would be... Because you can't win. There's no winner in that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just a go until you drop of exhaustion. I love it. So there are a couple of things. Number one, th that the filmmakers have been using social media more and more to start planting seeds and generating excitement. Number two, we know the Hulk is popping up in a bu bunch of projects already. Number three, Sean Levy has the connection with all these guys. Number four, if you're going to have Hulk, he's got to be as a side character in these, like he was in Thor Ragnarok. He cannot have his own film. So if you want more Hulk, you got to do it this way. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. For an over-under, I'm going to set this for both of you guys. I'm going to set an over-under number for the chances that we see Mark Ruffalo, Bruce Banner, the Hulk in a Deadpool 3. I'm going to set it at 38%. 38%. Chris, over-under... 38% we see Hulk in Deadpool 3, and why 4? Over. Way, way 4. And I'll tell you for why, John. Because of all the things we just talked about. Hulk can't be in his own film, but Hulk is literally everywhere right now. Bruce Banner has reasons to pop up in all these things. The Hulk has reasons to pop up in all these things. And Marvel knows that and has been utilizing that throughout the properties right now. It's basically Bruce Banner in the multiverse of madness at this point. He's just <laughs> showing up wherever he wants to. Well, and to that point, he has already popped up in... Shang-Chi post-credit. Mm -hmm. He's coming up in She-Hulk. They're saying maybe another one. He's been it in it Thor. wouldn't be a stretch. Yeah. You know? And also with the pairing of him in Thor Ragnarok, right? We saw this kind of comedic side of him too. We saw a lot of the kind of wacky, zany things you can do with Hulk as well. You pair him with Deadpool. One, we can get some heckin' violence. Ooh. Oh, yes. Hulk doesn't have to hold back. I, and remember, really rage. they said they're, Bob Iger had said a long time ago, they're going to make it's Deadpool 3 rated R. R. So if Hulk just rips Deadpool in half and it's just, you know, Deadpool being like, oh, man, this is inconvenient. <laughs> That's just going to be fun. It's going to be very fun violence. And I also think that this pairing makes sense, too, in the greater MCU. Right. We have somebody who's not always in control and we have somebody who absolutely loves chaos. <laughs> and I think seeing the two of them together and Deadpool kind of irking him the same way that Tony would just stab Bruce every now and then be like, do it turn let's see what goes on i think deadpool too would just be like 
come on, Bruce, let him out. Let's do this. Let's get messed up. I think it's going to be fun. And I would, I'm going to say that there's like a 75% chance he's going to be. Oh, you're going to high 75. I like it. I like it. All right, Rob, throw it over to you. What do you think about all this stuff we're seeing? And I said an over under at 38. Over under the chance we see him. And what do you make of all this? Well, very esteemed reasoning from my colleague, Miss Carr over here. I, uh, I agree with everything she said. You concur? I concur. Oh, good. I, I will catch me or catch you if I can. Aww. I concur. Uh, yes, uh, I th- I will go with her at 75%. Look, one of the things about Hollywood is if you've got actors, it seems like how can you not love Ryan Reynolds? They just did a movie together with Sean Levy. Mm-hmm. You know, they did the Adam Project. You have, you have <laughs> and Mark Ruffalo is one of the most esteemed actors working in Hollywood today, whether he's in a movie like Spotlight or whether he's playing Banner and the Hulk. He seems like he's pretty up for it. And I can only imagine that him and Ryan Reynolds would have a great time together. They were probably riffing. Like, I mean, what do you think they did at the at lunch every day? You think they didn't have a conversation about, wouldn't it be fun to put Hulk and Deadpool together? I bet we could make that happen. And if you think about it, what I love about the Deadpool situation is after Multiverse of Madness, what do they say in Spider-Man No Way Home? You know, we don't know who stepped through the door that you've opened. We have no idea. Well, Deadpool would be obviously one of the people that can you imagine the funny like he finds himself in a new universe where there's no X-Men. Wait, wait a minute. Where am I? What am I doing here? I don't know. And maybe what would be his first thing? He's going to track down maybe a scientist that could know something about multiverse or the quantum realm or whatever. So Wade seeks out Banner. It could be hilarious. I mean, the whole thing, it seems to me like it's a natural uh, from a storytelling standpoint, from an MCU standpoint, I buy that this could happen. And what what is Deadpool going to do? The same way he made fun of the Fox X-Men universe, Deadpool can now make fun of the entire MCU. I want to throw out another possibility that we're not kind of acknowledging here. When you looked at Deadpool before, Deadpool 1, Deadpool 2, he wasn't really in the Fox X-Men universe. Like, yeah, they had the mansion. That was always empty because he said they couldn't afford anybody else. You had Colossus, who, by the way, one of my favorite secondary characters in all of comic book movies. Like, he was so good in that. It's possible. And, you know, we see Michael Keaton in the Morbius trailer, which we don't think is the exact same Michael Keaton that we saw in No Way Home, but we'll find that out. I mean, there is a feasibility here that also... This could be the same thing that Deadpool's kind of in a pocket universe of his own. And there is a, you know, banner there. I mean, I lean more towards what you're saying, Rob, to be honest. That's really more. Because we did see see more of the X-Men. There is a one cameo. Yes, but obviously that was a joke. (laughs) But but it's still there. Canonically, it's on camera. There's no such thing as canon in the Fox X-Men movies. We all know that. So but but I mean, but you can reference, you can allude, you can do a lot. Now, again, like I said, I actually lean more towards what you're saying, but I'm just offering this as a possibility there as well. And look, Ryan Reynolds, I think from the behind the scenes footage that's come out, it looked like Ryan Reynolds and Mark Ruffalo had a blast working together. So, and listen, at some point, you got to have somebody that legitimately poses a threat to Deadpool because it takes a lot to do that. I mean, the last one, they try to they, they try to make a juggernaut. I mean, that's as out as unstoppable as you get as, as what you can do and then that fight with juggernaut and colossus was so freaking good but 
You got to bring somebody that, that could pose a legitimate threat to Deadpool and the exchanges and the jokes that Deadpool could make at Hulk's expense. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That could be gold. How do you all think they would explain Deadpool's understanding of the MCU now? Because he has the references to Thanos. He has the references to other characters in the previous films. Are they movies in his universe? Is he just like well, somebody no, who can break the barrier? Wall well, yeah. But now that he's in the MCU, is it still just fourth wall breaking or is it? I think so. I think it's the same because we talked about this before. I think it's the same thing where like Deadpool, I've heard it described this way once. Deadpool's true superpower is knowing that he is a comic book character. Yeah. That's his true power is that he knows he is a comic book character. I think that translates over here that Deadpool knows he is a character in a movie. Okay. I mean, that's the way I kind of, or, I don't know, how would you describe it? Or for the MCU, what if he's a Nexus being? You know, instead of knowing he's a comic book character, he knows he's a movie character. And not only that, he knows he's a franchise movie character that where his franchise was sold to another corporation. I mean, you could dig deep into what all that means. Mm -hmm. And and maybe he's the only person that is aware of the entire, all, all of this. And uh, he realizes that his box office just went up by being part of the MCU. <laughs> Come for the Deadpool, stay for the the Chapek jokes. You know, that's what's going to happen. Oh, my God. Oh, oh. Ryan Reynolds. Oh. You were watching this somewhere. God, please. Bob Chapek joke. Although it would probably make for a pretty short Deadpool series. Yeah. At any rate, guys, question is for you. What do you make of this? Is this a little tinfoil hattie? Yeah, it is. But there could be something to it. Do you buy into this theory that's going around here that maybe Sean Levy was just planting seeds that we could see Mark Ruffalo as Hulk? He's popping up and everything else in a Deadpool 3. Wouldn't we did cool see Ryan Reynolds and Mark Ruffalo together in Adam Project. What do you guys think? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. We want to thank the sponsor of today's video, me undies what's something you look forward to waking up to every morning is it coffee your pet maybe it's the face of someone you love well me undies wants to add to that list start your mornings with your favorite underwear and not just any underwear but ridiculously soft undies with ridiculous prints that make picking out underwear actually fun because me undies makes the softest fabrics you've ever put on your body so you can sit on your couch all day or go out and live your comfiest life once you try their undies socks bralettes and longwear you will never go back choose from a range of limited edition prints and colors and sizes that go from extra small all the way up to 4xl you can also sign up for their free to join me undies membership where you get a monthly subscription that sends new styles right to your door plus enjoy discounted pricing free shipping and exclusive of early access to new launches. And listen, MeUndies has a great offer for my listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also gives you this promise. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, you can return your order for a full refund within 45 days. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, just go to MeUndies.com slash Campia. That's MeUndies.com slash Campia. And thank you to MeUndies for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia show. Okay, guys. I got to get me some of those. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four, shall we? Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? The fourth topic comes from Ronnie. So the Batman just finished its third week with only a 45% drop, bringing its worldwide total to nearly 600 million. Do you think it has a chance of crossing 1 billion? And if it does, they already got two shows planned. Will WB push for five films instead of three? How much milking will they do? 
Thanks for taking my question and bring on the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, Ronnie. And yes, as of today, the Batman has not only become just the second film in the last couple of years to cross a $300 million mark domestically, it also has crossed the $600 million mark internationally, worldwide. Uh, these are big numbers, and we talked about that last week. It only took another 40-something percent drop from week one to week two, making just under $40 million in its third weekend. It continues to do well, particularly for a film of this nature. And now, after the this weekend is done, once we're now past the third weekend, I think now we're starting to get a pretty clear picture about where the Batman is going to end up, where things are going to settle. And now we've got a pretty good idea of what Warner Brothers actually has on their hands. Now, people have been writing me and asking, do you think it's going to hit a billion dollars? Look, we've been saying for a long time before this movie opened, it is unlikely that the Batman was ever going to hit a billion dollars. Not with all the things that came before it, the confusion of multiple Batman. There is still this mythology out there that Twilight Boy, like that's that's the this this rumor. By the way, that's dead now. That's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no more getting around it. Like even for the people who did not see all the films Robert Pattinson's done in the last decade, now they've seen him as Batman. Twilight Boy is dead. And that's gone now. But that was a huge, huge stumbling block on top of the mixed reception of the DCU, all the drama going on, three or four different Batman running around, the history of the films, how they did or did not succeed, all that kind of stuff. And that's why Rob, you and I have said for quite a long time, the likelihood of this thing hitting a billion is... Unlikely, possible, but but unlikely. And I think now we've got a really clear picture that at six hundred million after three weekends, it's probably going to settle in that seven to mid seven hundred million dollar range, which has got to be taken as a monumental win, in my opinion, a monumental win. And I guarantee you this: the next Batman will be a billion dollar film. I'll bet I'll bet you everything right now that, that now that all those hurdles that this Batman had to face has now been jumped. The next one's going to make a billion dollars. I'll tell you that right now. That being said, you still got, can't look past what a mark this is for this thing. This comes just from the folks at Variety who write the following. The Batman should surpass a total domestic gross of 300 million by Monday, which it has today, becoming only the second pandemic era release to do so after Spider-Man No Way Home. Its stellar opening of 134 million and lean week-to-week drops have made the Robert Pattinson-led film the highest-grossing movie of 2022 thus far and the second highest-grossing film since the COVID-19 pandemic began, again topped only by Spider-Man No Way Home, which the Batman also this weekend tied the record, the new record for most weeks at number one, which was three. Of course, Spider-Man got beat in its fourth weekend, then took back the number one spot lately, but three weeks in a row was was his thing. The Batman has hit that mark, although it's not going to end up anywhere near as much money as Spider-Man No Way Home. Not in the least. Rob, now as we are getting this clearer picture about how this movie has performed, uh, what hurdles it's been able to overcome, and the results it's getting now, what do you think Warner Brothers takeaway on this is now that warner brothers is getting to sit down now actually look at we have we now understand what it is we have in this film do they as the person who wrote in ass are they now pushing for a five movie franchise i think that's drastically premature at this point you've had one movie come out that's great but how do you think warner brothers is looking at this and what do you think of the results well one i think they're stoked uh two this is a great result for this film um it's a beautifully crafted movie it, uh, it's an auteurist vision you know i i prefer writer director visions i feel we get something that is something of a piece you know it's it's 
It's a singular vision. I thought everyone, this movie was beautifully cast. It was beautifully made. I think this is a triumph all the way around. And by the way, with this kind of box office or lack of drop off week to week, who knows where this is going to wind up? I don't think it's going to make a billion dollars. I don't. But it's going to make more than this current, what, $600 million we're at now? Yes. This could top out. I could see this topping out at seven fifty eight. That's an epic win for this movie. And I have to think that everybody in the um, executive suites at Warner Brothers is absolutely excited about this. I am sure plans are being drawn. I think trilogies are the way to go with things like this. Um, I think that Matt Reeves is going to be able to make, like Christopher Nolan before him, his Batman trilogy that's in a universe unto itself because it's an auteurist Batman universe. And I like what it has to say. Maybe they're going to do a bunch of spinoffs. You've got the, the dude, if we get the, 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 and I'm not saying it's going to be like Peacemaker, but if we can get the auteurist vision of Penguin to be the same as what James Gunn was able to do with Peacemaker, not that it's a wacky, funny show, but the fact that it keeps the tone of this Batman movie, that's pretty damn cool. And we'll see where it's going to go. I mean, I just think that it's a win for everybody. For me, it was a win as a moviegoer and a Batman fan. I think there's only a, there's as long as there's more rain in all of our future, I'm happy. Chris, <laughs> uh, you had a chance to take uh, to take a look at this. It's it's crossed the 300 million domestic. It's crossed mm-hmm. 600 million worldwide. Uh, it's three number one three weeks in a row. I don't think it's going to be for a fourth week. We've got that new um, Channing Tatum. Sandra Bullock movie coming yeah. out, which is getting ridiculously good reviews it coming out of so South by fun. Southwest. I've got my tickets. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see it. But what do you think Warner Brothers now, as they sit down, they sit down, they're taking stock of what they had in this Batman movie. What do you think their impressions are? How do you think they feel about it? How should they feel about it? And where do you think this tells us about where this franchise could go? Well, I think, you know, like Rob said here, this also just shows you that you should trust the auteur vision here right? Let a director run with Batman the way they want to. Let them try out this whole universe. I am interested to see if they're going to try to shoehorn more things into this specific Batman universe. And I feel like that's the way Warner Brothers probably will go because right now it is kind of this spaghetti method. Let's throw things at the wall and see what sticks. And that hasn't been the best method so far. I really don't want to end up seeing Aquaman in this universe. I really don't want to end up yeah. seeing Wonder Woman in this universe. No. And I know that leads to more brand confusion because if we do want another Justice League or we do want you know, more team-up films to kind of mimic what the MCU has been so successful in doing, that is going to mean we're going to have multiple Batmen still, multiple potentially Aquaman or, or even bringing in more of the super family, right? So right now I'm hoping that this leads to more clarity than confusion. But I'm very, very doubtful that they're going to see this and have a clear game plan now. I feel like this is going to kind of muddy the waters of, well, let's do some of this, let's do some of that, and let's keep trying things out to see what works. And I think the universe is still going to feel a little disjointed. Now, Warner Brothers has been guilty in the past about being extremely reactionary. Guilty. Like like very, very itchy trigger finger, extremely reactionary. Now, Matt Reeves has got a bit of a vision for Batman 2. We know his his vision is to have this as a totally separate universe thing. Let me ask you a nightmare question. Do you think the success of the Batman is tempting some of the executives of Warner Brothers now to do what Matt Reeves never intended, which was to start crossing the Robert Pattinson Batman? You mentioned not wanting to see Aquaman and stuff like that. Could they now be thinking, well, people love this Batman. 
boy, he sure could kick some life into our DCEU properties and get people excited. But I listen, I, I hate saying it, but do you think there are Warner Brothers executives right now, Robert, that could be thinking along those lines? Or do you think at this point they've learned their lessons from the mistakes of the past? What do you think? I think, look, they've already got that. They've got Black Adam. They've got The Flash with two Batman in it. They've got Wonder Woman 3, whatever that turns out to be. They've got Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom. They've got plenty in terms of having their interconnected universe or characters crossing over. I think they're going to look at Nolan's Batman movies and realize, look at the box office of both The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. That's what they're looking for now. It's a, The number's a billion dollars. This is their Batman Begins, and this is outgrossing Batman Begins probably by a wide margin, even adjusting for inflation and ticket prices in the almost, what, 22 years or or 17 years since Batman Begins, whatever that is. I think they know better. I think they're going to let Matt Reeves do what they were going to do with Robert Pattinson and go make his trilogy of Batman movies unfettered by the constraints of whatever the always rotating executive leadership at Warner Brothers is doing. And I think David Zaslav will come in and go, you know what? Uh, Let's not mess with them. Let's let Matt Reeves do what he's doing. We've got every we've got every other uh, playground to mess with, but we're not going to mess with this. Let's leave it pure. I'll bring this up as as a point uh, for what you're saying. Uh, as of right now, the Batman has almost made as much money as it, domestically. The Batman has almost made as much money domestically as Batman Begins did in its entire worldwide run. The mm-hmm. Batman has made $300 million domestically, whereas Batman Begins made $371 million worldwide. Worldwide. Yep. So the Batman is going to double that. And so I, I, I'm not saying that makes it a better movie than Batman Begins. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, I mean, that's it's a good first step for a Batman character that really needs some rehabilitation when it comes to its perception to the public. Chris, what do you think about this nightmare scenario? I mean, could you, you mentioned you don't want to see them crossing over Aquaman, but do you think that's something we could be in danger of seeing? I mean, is there an executive who's pushing this? There absolutely is. There's some executive who's like, you know, what would be a great idea, guys. Follow me on this journey. There's someone there. There's By the way, uh, this uh, breaking news, uh, we just got confirmation that the board of uh, Warner Brothers <laughs> Has gotten together to discuss. No, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just love that we're referencing Benny Hill. Half of our audience is going, what? Benny who? What band is that? There's definitely an executive who's doing this. Now, do I hope that cooler heads prevail? Absolutely. And I think they will. I am just, I've been burnt before, John. And I've been disappointed before. And so... I'm hoping that they say, oh, hey, yeah, let's keep playing with, you know, Peacemaker and bring that into uh, the rest of the DCEU. That's where we can have the Flash and Aquaman come play because they're all so kind of, you know, they have their moments of comedy. They have moments where they can kind of take the piss and everything. But Matt Reeves is Batman. Probably not going to see him with Peacemaker. Does that sound cool to everybody? I'm hoping that's the case. But again, there's some person there who thinks they have a million dollar idea of Oh, man, just wait till we inject Jason Momoa into Gotham. <laughs> They're going to love it. Well, you know what? I mean, they it. have broken the seawall, so maybe he just swims he just into swims town. In. <laughs> All right, guys. Question is for you. 
What do you think about this? The Batman crosses even more box office milestones, crossing 300 million domestically, making almost as much domestic as Batman Begins made in its entire theatrical run, and crossing 600 million worldwide. Where do you think it's ultimately going to settle on, and what do you think the takeaways for Warner Brothers should be now that they kind of have a clear picture of what the results of this film are going to be? Whatever your guys' thoughts are, jump down into the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down... Let's move on to main topic number five, shall we? Chris, what is our fifth main topic today? This comes from The Antagonist. <laughs> hey, John and Co. In an interview with Cinema Blend with Morbius's director, Daniel Espinoza, they were asked about if Spider-Man already exists in this universe that this film is set in. He replied with, of course. He further stated that in almost all universes, Spider-Man exists, but just in different tones and styles. While this does not confirm Spider-Man's appearance in Morbius, it does further allude to the idea there is another Spider-Man besides Tom, Ho Tom Holland, which exists in this Venom-Morbius universe. John, do you actually think a Spider-Man, maybe Toby, Andrew, or even Miles Morales, exists in this Sony universe? All right, thanks for sending that in, man. And yes, listen, we're talking about Moon Knight's getting closer and closer. Morbius is getting closer. And I, I will tell you right now, I think a lot of people are sleeping on Morbius. I watched that trailer again. I was at the movies the other day. And I watched that trailer again on the big screen, and I'm like, this looks damn fun. This looks really fun and really violent, <laughs> by the way. And by the way, Morbius just got that, uh, what's it called again? The whatever 15 rating, the equivalent of our rating in the UK. Oh, really? Yeah, the same one that the Batman, the Batman got. The Batman, and after seeing the Batman, then we totally all see What I, kind I, of buddy-duddies are running the British ratings board? You don't think there's a, there's a after watching the Batman, that, yeah, an argument could have been made that that's an R-rated film? Well, perhaps. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, like with Morbius, you know, vampire killing a lot of people. Maybe maybe they deem that might not be appropriate for children under 15. But again, it's, it's interesting, and I think people are sleeping on this film. That could end up being a complete car wreck of a film. Absolutely. It absolutely might. But I kind of like what I'm seeing. By the way, a brand new Morbius vignette dropped today, uh, showing some of the footage we've already seen, but also with uh, Jared Leto being interviewed and talking about how he says specifically, now that the multiverse has been opened, which is interesting because this is the first time an official channel of the movie-making arms have kind of acknowledged that this multiversal opening in the MCU has a direct correlation, which we all suspected, but has a direct correlation to what we could or could not see in the Sony-verse with Jared Leto saying, now the multiverse has been opened, which means there's more opportunities for us to see, you know, certain people and things mm. like that. It is on the heels of all that, that director Daniel Espinosa being asked, does Spider-Man exist in that Morbius world, because, of course, when we saw the first Morbius trailer in uh, 2003, I think it was, when the first Morbius trailer dropped, we saw that Spider-Man uh, graffiti up on the wall, that mural. Well, this is what he said directly when asked, is Spider-Man in that world? From the folks at Screen Rant, Daniel Spinoza said, of course. I mean, in almost all Spider-Verse, or, you know, the universes that existed in the Marvel Universe, if you read the comic books, the whole idea of that kind of, the Marvel string theory, if you would call it that, it's very related to, if you remember, the alternative Seinfelds. You have a world where you have the same characters, and it's all of the characters, but they are slightly different. 
So, in almost all verses, you have Spider-Man, or a Fantastic Four, or a Tony Stark, or a Morbius. But they will be different in tone. That's not quite the way that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is approaching the idea, but they're remaining to some core truth. Then, you have the second kind of legend, which is about the totem which is that in all universes, there is a spider totem, which means that in all universes, there has to be a spider man or a spider woman. So, I don't think you should overlook the significance of what Daniel Espinosa was just saying. That's pretty cool, actually. Because he's saying, okay, yeah, there's a spider man in this universe or a spider woman is in that universe. Well, considering the mural, it would probably be a Spider-Man that's in that universe. Could that be a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man? Maybe. I doubt it, but maybe. Could it be an Andrew Garfield Spider-Man? I doubt it, but maybe. Could it be a Miles Morales? That didn't look like Miles Morales, so probably not. That was in the mural. But maybe. But again, this is the filmmaker acknowledging that in this universe, we can have a Tony Stark. There is an extension now of the cooperation between Disney and Sony, the likes of which before we have only speculated about. Now, that could still mean that Tom Holland's Spider-Man is now going to take place in the Sony movies, perhaps, but it means that this is a shared multiverse. Do you remember years ago, Kevin Feige and um, uh, Amy Pascal. Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal were being interviewed. Those were always adventurous to see because you never knew when one was going to say something they weren't supposed to say, <laughs> particularly Amy. Yeah. But Amy Pascal had said something that Kevin Feige kind of threw up walls to. But then in another interview, Pascal said, they don't live in the same reality, but they could exist in the same universe or something along that lines, right? It was cryptic. It was a little confusing. And Kevin Feige said, yes, yes, I I can get behind that. That is true. And now here we are three, four, five years later after that statement, and we're starting to see the manifestation of that. So number one, the director's completely confirmed. There is a Spider-Man in this world. This world that we're watching with Morbius, Spider-Man's there. Doesn't necessarily mean he's in the movie, but he could be. We already know that he mentions Venom because we've seen in the, in the trailer when he says, who are you, Ben? I am Venom, right? Just kidding, Dr. Morbius at your service. I mean, a great line. I love that line. But this opens up a whole Pandora's box about what could and could not be in this film. So, Rob, let me throw this over to you first. We read that statement from Espinoza. Huge. Honestly, it's a hand grenade in the middle of a crowded room. That, that There's so much packed into that one thing, whether you're talking spider totem or all that kind of stuff. But basically acknowledging there is a Spider-Man in this universe. There is a Tony Stark in this universe. There might be a Fantastic Four in this universe. What do you think about that in general? And with that revelation, unlikely as it may be, what do you think the chances are that we see a Spider-Man pop up in this? Because you thought he might pop up in Spider-Man 2. Right or in Venom Two, I should say. You or thought you thought Spider or Venom? No, no. Going into Venom Two, you thought oh, Spider Man yeah, yeah, yeah. would pop up could, in it. Could, maybe the post credits, yeah, something like something, that. Yeah. But what do you think with what we just heard from Espinosa that maybe Spider Man pops? Up? I don't know. Well, I mean, I think that that this is a essentially a Spider Verse without Spider Spider Man, and 
I think eventually they're, they're going to have to bring in a Spider-Man. Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man. They're setting up, whether it's the Sinister Six, call it what you want. Ultimately, there's Spider-Man will show up in this universe. And he's too valuable not to. And they've been very accommodating with Marvel. They've been very smart. They've allowed Spider-Man to appear, what is it, in six MCU movies now? I think it's six, right? Infinity War, Endgame. I lost count. Civil War. Uh, and then the three that they've done. So that's six. Um, that's quite an accommodation. And Sony, I'm sure, is chomping at the bit to make their own Spider-Man movies. And we've had No Way Home, so you've opened up the possibility of having Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire to come back. Who knows? And <laughs> I think these comments are very cogent, very thoughtful reasoning as to why Spider-Man exists in this universe somewhere. I mean, so far... They've been, this has not been, isn't Morbius the first one of these movies that takes place in New York? It takes place in New York, right? I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Because the Venom movies take, take place in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So now we're actually in Spider-Man's home digs, hometown. <laughs> and by the way, I just want to point out, too, to everybody that remind reminded that despite the fact that we were in... There's still the pandemic recovery era and all that kind of stuff. Venom 2 came out and made over $500 million at the box office. Which, again, I mean, you might look at that and think, well, I mean, the first one made over eight, but this was an, obviously a different set of time and whatever. But it continued, made over $500 million at the box office. This is a property Sony is very bullish on. Of course, now they're bringing in Craven the Hunter. We've got, right now, Morbius is at hand. We got a Spider-Woman, all that kind Madam of stuff. Yeah, there was some Web. other movie. Madam what? Madam Web. They're making a Madam Web movie. Did you know, Rob? <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> that, that, this is a long-running joke. But uh, Madam Web it is never coming. gets old. Come I on. mean, the incorporation of Spider-Man is probably going to happen at some point. One eyed here, Chris. You read these comments from Espinoza. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think of them in general? And does it? hint or suggest that maybe Spider-Man could actually appear in this thing or is that too much to hope for at this point? It absolutely does. I mean, the inclusion of Madam Web in the first place was, oh yeah, there's a Spider-Man in this universe because she connects the Spider-Men. We all, we all watched that episode of the animated series growing up. We all listened to Stan Lee's wonderful wife give her life and voice her. We know that, that she is the common thread on the web that we weave with Spider-Man. So I always thought there'd be a Spider-Man here. And if we are doing this darker more uh, more intense version of some of the Marvel properties, right? Venom, we're doing Morbius. It makes sense to have it be Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man who took a dark path, who stopped pulling his punches. So I think it's only a matter of time till we get that movie. That's what I say. Mm -hmm. I want that Spider-Man movie, the one that stopped pulling his punches. It's I want coming. It so much. I mean, it's basically coming. that would be the Logan movie of Spider-Man. Yeah. But I don't think they'd ever go that dark with Spider-Man because... Probably it's so not. counter to the to the character of Spider-Man. But when you're dealing love. with Carnage and Morbius, I mean, that's the those are characters that you don't necessarily have to pull your punches because you're not going to kill them. Well, yes. So maybe this is you know he's I don't know kindler gentler path. Mm -hmm. The tick tick booms. I think I think when Andrew Garfield said that, I think he was when he's talking about pulling his punches. I think he was mentioning that in reference to like street level thugs. Like the guys yeah. robbing the bank. I don't he think still he was... hasn't fought an alien or anything like that, you know? Yeah, I don't think he's so. talking That's about right. like fighting a Doc Ock or fighting a no. lizard or something. Like, I think those guys, he doesn't pull his punches. But I think he was talking about like even with regular guys. He was just so angry. Yeah. It's like, bang, which a punch from him could kill somebody. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's interesting. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this? About the whole notion that Spider-Man, it's confirmed now. Spider-Man is in this universe. Will he be in the movie?
Tony Stark may be in this universe. Could a version of that show up in the movie? I, I, I don't know. What do you guys make of this? Jump on down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Guys, we want to take just a minute and thank the sponsor of this video, Masterclass. Masterclass is offering classes on a wide variety of topics, like all taught by world-class masters at the absolute tops of their field. Each class is broken down out into individual video lessons, usually like around 10 minutes or so long, and members can explore at their own pace. And each class is supported by downloadable materials, lessons, recipes, or more that you can all find at masterclass.com. For example, are you into streaming? Well, you can take the Building Your Streaming class taught by ninjas so you can sharpen up on your streaming skills. Or if you're interested in independent filmmaking, take independent filmmaking from Academy Award winner Spike Lee. You want to get classes on how to direct? How about from Ron Howard? The very first one I personally looked up and got into was Business Leadership by the great Big Papa Iger, Bob Iger himself. And I was absolutely enthralled with it. I love every single minute of this stuff. If any of those apply to you, you need to try Masterclass. So I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass. And as a John Campy Show viewer, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash Campia. Once again, to get 15% off your annual membership, go to masterclass.com slash Campia. And a big thank you to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys. With that all down, let's now move over and start taking your live comments and questions that you sent in, shall we? Uh, Chris stepped out of the room for a moment, so I'll read off the first ones we got here. <laughs> There's Chris's empty chair. Uh, Jace writes, Hey, John. Uh, your character in The Incredible Hulk is technically canon to the MCU. Do you think your Corporal Campia got blipped? Um... I believe he did not, but he worked his way up the chain. And I think you're going to see, I mean, there are rumors that my character is one of the members of the Illuminati in Doctor Strange 2, but you know, I don't want to spoil anything. So I'm just going to say right now, no comment. All right. Uh, Chris, who is now back? We just did Jace. Do you know what's next? Um, Al Renshaw does, uh, does have a change of pants ready after he saw... Does Rob? Probably does Rob, Rob have a change of pants ready for after he saw the Moon Knight goodness? Clearly, Hawk summoned the jackal creature that we see chasing Moon Knight in the TV spot. Rob, what do you think about that? Look, first of all, I've, I have uh, a full week's worth of underwear and jeans. <laughs> from me undies, car. by the way. Yeah, from, from <laughs> me undies, yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, I am... I can't speculate what's going on. I, I realize that I need to put aside my expectations and just enjoy the totality of the Moon Knight mythos that they're drawing from to create something new. All right. And I'm very excited about what's it. What's next? Very from excited. Sam Fisher. Speaking of Spidey, I can't believe Marvel is releasing Amazing Spider-Man number 900 in June. That's insane to me. I think it's also the 60th anniversary issue. Wow. I got. I got. I haven't read a Spider-Man comic probably in about a decade. I mean, I used to read it pretty religiously, especially when I was reading the X-Men stuff. Like it was like, I actually got on board with the Spider-Man stuff around the Ben Riley side during the clone saga. 
Well, no, no, no. It was actually a little bit before the Clone Saga. Yeesh, so John. Good. Yeesh. You know what? So good, though. I know, I know everybody craps in the Clone Saga. I like the I Clone Saga. I love the Clone Saga. Yeah, I, I really love the Ben Riley character. Okay, what are you guys smoking? I, I, hey, I know it's the popular thing to hate on Grow that. Grow up, that Rob. Run, they're edibles, okay? But I haven't read a lot lately, so I don't know where Spider-Man's at right now in the... Uh, in the comics at the most. I don't know what they've got cooking up for 900. Do you, Rob? I have no idea. All right. I've Dude, I only collect hardcovers. Yeah. <laughs> I like all. an omnibus. Yeah, that's it. The, yeah. I, I'm a, I've become I, like gem mint collectibles. Mm-hmm. I'm an omnibus snob. Yeah. I used to like getting like my weeklies over at House of Secrets, but I, yeah. I haven't been able to keep up with that since ew, my late 20s. Ooh. <laughs> all right. What's next? Daniel Dang. The episode where Adama jumps the Battlestar Galactica in atmosphere to save the civilians on New Caprica is still my favorite TV episode of all time. It is an episode referred to as Second Exodus. or it's the, like Exodus Part 2 or Exodus something. Exodus Part yeah. 2 or the Second Exodus or something like that. Dude. And it is one of the greatest episodes of television of all time. I think that might have been the first time I was ever watching anything, a TV show where I literally jumped out of my seat. Like screaming expletives yeah <laughs> with my hand on my, because that was see that that kind of thinking john you it's your favorite tv show of all time yes and as a, somebody who worked in visual effects bruh for tv oh my god come on and but just the whole concept it was like it was like that would have been something my my eight-year-old self would have come up with never thinking i would somebody would really do it come on now now when the galactica jumped into the atmosphere and the vipers start launching and chaos ensues i hey listen i i've got a number list like i've got my my all-time favorite uh series finale is is uh star trek next generation i forget what i said was my all-time favorite season finale uh my my all-time favorite pilot like first episode is and season of television is hero season one but my overall favorite show is Battlestar galactica and i have i have thought it's got to be over a decade now that that episode is my single favorite episode of television ever. It is just absolutely nutty. Dude. All right. What's next? So good. Casey Mack. Hey, crew. Just a shout out. How was your weekend? Oh, thank you so much. Weekend was great, actually. Yeah. It's good. Played a little bit of poker. Got. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Most I work all Sundays now <laughs> between mm-hmm. doing some prep work for the show. It's also when I write and uh, record and edit all of the sponsor spots. So I today now I have one day off a week, but um, I got a chance to go play some poker on Saturday. Nice. Got, got to win a little bit of money playing some poker on Saturday. So that was nice. What about you guys? Do anything fun? Well, I you, moved, you're working dude. on the house. I'm moving and it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's hell on earth. I'm I'm same boat as you. I have one day off of mine is Sundays, and I usually start the day, though, catching up on emails and helping students with last-minute stuff. Um, but this weekend, I got to film, so that was really fun, and I got to be a producer, which was very, very nerve-wracking and exhausting. 16-hour um, days. 16-hour days. Whew. Bray, what did you end up doing this weekend? Uh, I watched uh, Rob's um, Star Wars... Um... <laughs> I watch big dark light. I'm like, wait, is what? You just watched it, or <laughs> what's next, Chris? 
So yes is the answer. Mm. All right, what's next? From Raymond. Hugh Grant is in talks for Doctor Who. He's one of the last big British stars who hasn't appeared in a Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Harry Potter, Star Trek, James Bond, or Fast and Furious movie. Now, I mean, it's it's true. Yeah, I saw that. Look, I, I don't watch Doctor Who. So I, I, I mean, I haven't I watched it. it since the dude with the big brimmed hat was Doctor Who. That Tom was Baker. Like, yeah. Tom Baker, when I was a child. I mean, I, that, that's, that's that. So I don't watch it. I, so I don't really care. But I did think it was interesting. Hugh Grant... Hugh Grant's been on a bit of a resurgence the last couple of years. I've always liked Hugh Grant. Paddington 2. Oh, he was so good in Paddington 2. Um, and I really liked him in The Man from Uncle as well. I mean, I like him from from everything he's he does. About a boy. Um, <gasps> so oh, I love that movie. I mean, the, the guy's great. And so, listen, I might actually even watch a Doctor Who episode if he ends up being the new Doctor Who. I don't know, Rob, what do you think of that? I think it's great. If he does it, and if if it's Russell Davies who's writing, which it is, because mm-hmm. he's coming back, Russell Davies will step up, and I think the combination of having Russell Davies as coming back as head writer, head showrunner, mm-hmm. uh, who created five of the best hours of Doctor Who related TV shows ever in Tortured Children of Earth, I I can't wait if this is true i think it's a great choice are you a doctor who uh... i'm such a doctor who fan our wedding was very very lightly doctor who themed every table had a doctor who episode in minimalist art as its table marker all of our wedding colors were based off of the tardis i love doctor who i think hugh grant would be amazing and i'm so glad it's davies back at the helm too me too gosh all right what's next all right from stubble mcshay i have a a min oh from a min one of three uh, saw Power of the Dog last week, and I have to say, it's a really good film. Going in, I thought this would be one of those overhyped films that I probably wouldn't like, but I did. And even though I thought it was a little slow, uh, do you think that this was the best performance of Cumberbatch's career so far? How about the others in the film? No. Uh, listen, I, I, I don't mind saying it. I actually think Power of the Dog is very good. I think it's very good, but I also think it's overrated. I said that from the first time I saw it. Um, I... Again, very good movie. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not trashing on it. I just think it is overrated. Benedict Cumberbatch's best performance was the Imitation Game. Oh, he's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So good. That I believe he got nominated for Academy Award Mm -hmm. for for that one as well. Well, That was his best performance. This year, too, he did a wonderful film for Amazon called The Electric Life of Louis Wayne. Yep. And that is a beautiful and heartbreaking performance. That was the one that I thought he was going to get nominated for, frankly. He, He is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, the performances in Power of the Dog are great across the board. They're, Absolutely. They're, they're all great. Um, but I I honestly I honestly don't think it should be nominated for Best Picture. But that's just me. I mean, I have no problem with it being nominated. It's a very good film. But I, I wouldn't have nominated it personally. So that's just my take. What on. would you throw in instead of uh, that movie? Just, to, just out of curiosity. That's a good question. I'd have to sit down and look at the list again off because I'm not carrying that around off the top of my head. I know but, we had two initially that we thought were going to be on there that didn't end up on there. Yeah, and I'm trying I just can't remember off the top of my head what those films are mm-hmm. uh right now. But yeah, that's a really really good question. All right. What's next? Okay. Now, Stubble McShift? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yesterday it was 30 years ago since Basic Instinct was released. Wow. I remember- yeah. Rob's just thinking about his action figure right now. I remember as a 15-year-old, I was watching it at a friend's house on home video. Yeah, I mean, kind of like porn. That was the first way a lot of people's first exposure to to Basic Instinct was. I mean, it was uh, it was an erotic thriller. I mean, it, it it is... Like, we talked about the other day how 
When you think of an adventure film, what's the movie that pops into everybody's head? It's Indiana Jones, right? It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think when you say erotic thriller, I think actually Basic Instinct is probably the poster child of that that entire genre. I don't know, Rob, what do you think? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely one of them. I, for me, it was I was already a big Paul Verhoeven fan. Like, I had met him once. And uh, that film, for people that don't remember, it had a, there was a huge controversy. Uh, the gay community in San Francisco was up in arms because of what they perceived as a slanderous portrayal of of, of lesbianism. And um, there was protesters. I went to opening night of that movie at the UA in Westwood. And there were protesters outside the theater, you know, from the LBGTQ community. And it was kind of a lightning rod and a firestorm for a while. But then when people saw it, you know, but that movie, let me just say that there are two women, fictional women that I would date. One is Grace Kelly in Rear Window. The other <laughs> is Sharon Stone as Catherine Trammell in Basic Instinct. Just it saying. An of iconic course. film. All right. What's next? From Waleed. List the things you love and hate about Hollywood. No. I, that, that's just way too general of a thing, dude. All right, what's next? Al Renshaw, would you rather see Aliens, Mecha Ghidorah, or Totally New Kaiju? I don't know where you are. Hold oh. Uh, okay, there we are. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Okay. Would you rather see Aliens, Mecha Ghidorah, or a Totally New Kaiju that ha they haven't faced yet in Godzilla vs. Kong sequel? They did show a lot of Kaiju at the end of King of the Monsters. Absolutely doesn't matter at all doesn't matter it's the same thing we talk about when who should be the villain that this superhero faces next what we have learned in movies is that it's totally irrelevant all because dr doom unarguably one of the greatest comic book villains in history they've tried it four times and it's never worked doesn't matter all that matters is if you write the character great and whatever your character could be gus the gas man is your villain. He, you know, stumbled across a gummy bear of cosmic energies and he ate it off a classroom floor and now he's Gus the Gas Man immortal. I'd I mean, watch it. Especially I mean, now with the gas prices the way they, they are. Right? It itself, all right? But the point is, if you write it if you write it great, that will make it a great villain. So really, it, it doesn't matter who you pick as the I monster. I think you're missing something, John. Uh-oh. No, why do we have to have a choice? All of all them. Of them. Yes. All of them in this day. Oh, more is more. The, Give it to us. Listen, the question more. that our viewer astutely asks: Wouldn't you want to see a movie with all of those things yeah. in them? It's a giant monster movie, man. If I can have flying saucers populated by the controller and his hot ladies <laughs> to try and take over the world with kaiju and monsters, mm. what is not to love, man? Come on, watch Godzilla versus. Monster Zero and see what I'm talking about. Rob, do you have to say hot like that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hot. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, it, this is this is I'm an kidding. entertainment show. I'm kidding, if I just want to say I'd really like to see uh, you know. <laughs> All right, what's Ready next? Laugh All right, from Tochi, ditch that zero and get with the hero. Ice. That is one of the great lines from one of the greatest no, the greatest bad movie of all time. Cool as ice, vanilla ice. Movie club. It's uh, someday, <laughs> someday we got to do a movie club on uh, probably I've never, not. I've only seen a snippet of it. I've never seen it. We've got to have a viewing party. Yeah. 
We Lies. seriously have to have a viewing party where we sit down and watch Cool as Ice. I want to be in the room when you guys watch this for the first Can't time. Can't you do like watch parties on Amazon, like legit watch yeah. parties when you can like, Amazon alt- or Netflix or something like Netflix that? We should do that live sure. and do a live commentary with fun. our viewers. Of course, we can't stream that then on YouTube. That's that's the thing. We can't we can't stream that, unfortunately. But no. I mean, I, I, look, we, we got to come up with something. Yeah. We will come up for something for Vanilla Ice. All right. What's next? All right. From Mark Neto. Need to think about a remake of The Car with Chris Carr. Have Josh Brolin in it. <laughs> I haven't car. seen The Car. What is that film? Which, I don't know what is okay. The Car either. The Car stars James Brolin. Oh. And it is literally, it, I think it came out, it, it did. It came out in 1977. It was playing in theaters the same week Star Wars opened. Believe so it or not. So a lot of people saw it. It's literally, <laughs> it's literally about a a black car from hell oh that 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 apparently is the devil's car and it just it runs people down and i'll tell you something one of the great tragedies of cinematic history is the end of the movie after the car spoiler alert it gets blown up right Mm -hmm. but then the end like i want to say it's over the end credits i can't remember because i saw it once in 1977 the car is now like in dallas or it's in LA, and after it's been blown up, it's back driving in a city. And I'm telling you, the devil's car, and it's just called the car. So it's like Christine, but not. Oh, right, but Christine is like possessed. Yeah. But this car is literally about Satan's car. Dang, and now we're just (laughs) gonna remake it with a 2009 Hyundai Sonata. I'm telling you. And by the way, if you haven't seen the car, you'll never forget the horn, the sound, nah, 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 the horn sound that it makes. All right, what's next? All right, from Jerome, Yellowstone question. Do you think Rip will learn Beth's secret next season? And how do you think he will react? Mm. It depends on which secret you're talking about. (laughs) I mean, if you're talking about, like, he knows about her condition. So I don't want to give a lot of things away. And I don't think there's much she keeps from him. I mean, listen, listen, that is my favorite thing on TV right now is Yellowstone. I mean, Yellowstone is... I didn't watch it at first. It's like, eh, it looks like a show my dad would watch. I feel bad saying that. Sorry, dad. But it's, I'm like, looks like something my dad would watch. I feel that way about World War II films. Yeah. So I, I'm like, okay. What? But then I checked it out and it is the godfather on horses. That That's what Yellowstone. It's also kind of Sons of Anarchy on horses. Like it is. And Rip, like now that Lucifer Morningstar is no longer on TV, Rip might be my single favorite character on TV right now. That that him and Costner's character. But Rip is like a man's man's man. Like he is like the ultimate man, right? But then he's faced off against like the most powerful woman on television and they somehow make this couple that is so fun to watch. It's crazy. And uh so I don't know that he doesn't already know her secret. To be honest with you, I have to think back on a little bit more. But anyway, we'll get to that a little bit later. All right, what's next? All right, from Sam Fisher. I saw that image of Christopher Lloyd and was like, oh, no, did he die? But no, he was just cast in The Mandalorian Season 3. Oh, Christopher Lloyd. Look, I I have loved this guy for so long. I remember my parents would watch reruns of Taxi. And I just remember his character on Taxi. And then, of course, he was, you know, Back to the Future. But then recently... I went to go see Nobody. And I had no idea that Christopher Lloyd was in that. 
But man, was it a pleasant surprise. And to have them pop up... I, I will say this, though, about Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. I actually found, other than the um, German director, uh, uh, documentary director, why am I freezing on his name, from Mandalorian season one? Werner Herzog? Werner Herzog, oh. thank you. I want to see the child. <laughs> Bring me the baby. Werner Herzog, I must kill one living thing every day. Anyway, so, uh, Werner Herzog, by the way, a guy infamous for doing an interview with the BBC camera crew getting shot by a stray bullet and just try to keep going with his yeah. interview. There's no more, you don't get more badass. And he's made movies, oh, he's not I've just a documentary shot. filmmaker. He's, he's also yeah, very... Oh, I've been shot anyway. Um, but anyway, so other than Werner Herzog, I gotta say that as great as Mandalorian is and, and, and you know, the positive things they're doing with these TV shows, sometimes the people they cast kind of pulls me out a little bit. Like, who doesn't love Danny Trejo? But Danny Trejo suddenly popping up like that really did pull... Because all I said was, look, there's Danny Trejo. Like, it kind of pulled me out. When I'm for... Oh, uh, Steven, the actor uh, with the stapler from Office Space, Steven something. Anyway. Oh, I'm totally blanking. But when he popped up in Book of Boba Fett, oh, yeah. as the guy, I'm like, okay, all I see is... So I don't know, and and as much as I love Christopher Lloyd, Stephen I wonder, Root. what's that? Stephen Root. Sorry, Root. It was thank gonna you bug very me. much, Stephen Root. As much as I love Christopher Lloyd, I worry that his distinctness might pull me out of whatever it is he pops up, mm. and I, I might be worrying over nothing. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know, Rob. What do you think? Well, you know, he was also in the Tender Bar, and yeah. he has he has a great scene where he takes the kid to school, like, and it's so it was it, it, he didn't do a lot in the movie but it's a wonderful scene and he's still a great actor wouldn't it be interesting if doc brown figured out how to move both in time and space <laughs> and he shows up in a long a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and My it's God, back Marty. to the future i mean there is Mandalorian. A, i'm telling you all right what's next uh from gregory barrett Ty, uh, thank you, John and crew, for your show. I have a very tough job in public health made worse by the pandemic. Oh, thank you for all your work. Your show has helped me make it through the year. Keep up the great work, everyone. Well, thank um, you so much for that, Gregory, very much. And as Lindley Echo what Chris is saying, thank you so much for working in public health. I mean, we should always know that you guys are heroes of our society and community, but the last couple of years have just really reemphasized that. So thank you so much for being here and allowing us to be a part of your day, man. So thank you again for that. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? All right, from Thanos. Come on, Chris, just take your private helicopter. I mean, Why yeah, do you right. all think I have these things? <laughs> John pays me well, but not that well. They all I were like, John should pay for you to take Ubers here. It's $200 to get here. <laughs> By Uber, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's I'm delightful, but like, I wouldn't pay for that. <laughs> for you, it's like a 140 mile round trip. 120, but yeah. 120. Yeah. 120 round it's trip a, to get here. It's a long yeah. trip. All right. There are advantages of living where I live, but the disadvantage is a little bit of a trek from yeah. my old stomping grounds. But it's for me, worth no, it. not as far. I know. All right. What's next? Bobby Jackson. Under 60% that Mark Ruffalo makes an appearance as the Hulk in Sean Levy's Deadpool 3. Well, we were just talking about that. I mean, I set the over under line at um, what did I say? 38 or something like that. Yeah. You guys were both saying 75. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go under 60, but that's just because 60 is a very, very large number. I, I would take the over 38, but I'll take under 60. But we'll see. Actually, I don't know that I asked Ray. Ray, 
Do you think we're going to see the Hulk in, in Deadpool? And do you, are you interested in seeing the Hulk in Deadpool? I think he's not going to be in it. Zero percent. Zero percent. One hundred percent. He's in the after credit scene. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're saying after credit scene. That's, okay. That counts. But he's not in the movie. All right. Not part of the story. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's next? All right. From Cardo the Bassist. Oh, with a $20 super chat. Oh, thank, thank you. you, Cardo. Saw X followed by No Way Home. Fourth viewing. X was awful. No Way Home still made me cry. You know oh. what? You're the first person to say what I thought. Because I went to go see X. Mm-hmm. And I walked out. Really? Yeah. <gasps> and it is tough to get me to walk out of a movie with explicit sex. And it's these all these incredibly hot people having very explicit sex. Mm-hmm. And it was mind-numbingly boring. Okay, because I wanted to ask you guys, because my friends want to see it, and I'm so bad with horror, right? Where I need people to, like, paint by numbers for me and tell me when to shut my eyes. It's I, that bad? But here's the thing. Now, but, but understand this. So I got about 45 minutes to an hour into it mind-numbingly boring and then i left and as i'm driving home my car i tell siri to open up rotten tomatoes and i see this guy had like close to a 95 percent and the audience rating wasn't 95 percent, but the audience rating was quite good too so i remember thinking to myself i don't i guess it starts after an hour I guess it picks up at some point. So I think at some point I'll have to go back and give it another shot. But the first 45 minutes to an hour, mind-numbingly boring. And they do that real that thing that I'm getting really sick of in movies where they start the movie by showing you the ending. Right. Oh, and so I it was like that. The, it was almost like an admission of saying, we know the first hour of our movie is boring, but look, guys, here's the ending. So you know some good stuff is going to happen. You're so, probably wondering how I know, ended up here. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, I really want to see this movie, but there there was uh, the only other commentator. There's a guy on Twitter, uh, Lex G, or we call him the Lex Man. And he was a commentator and a poster on Jeffrey Wells Hollywood Elsewhere site for a long time. And now he's mostly on Twitter. He said that the movie was so nihilistic, it just made him, and so inhuman, that it made him feel really bad, even after... He'd seen the movie. And that is something that I would never have thought he would have said because he's a fan of the filthy. And when he said that, I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. And I hadn't heard anyone say that before. And I wondered, does the movie go too far, John? Nothing happens in the first hour. So, so, so it doesn't get like nihilistic. Hearing all that, I'm end. like, okay, that's news to me. So it's <laughs> right. just like creepy old people and some missionary? Like, what's happening? I, I want to go see it. So No, I mean, look, if you're looking, I think it's Kid Cudi. If you're looking for some some Kid Cudi bare ass and that's what you're looking for, this is your movie. Sweet. You're looking for, like, it's, I, like again, I, I, the only thing I can surmise is that the movie must not really start until after the first hour. Because God, the first hour is boring. Mm. Like, so boring. And that's with a lot of sex. So, uh, all right. What's next? All right. From Bleach 74820. What happens to Netflix users that use multi multiple screens? Well, I mean, again, if you're in the way it works and the way it has always worked, and it's a part, it's, it's approved under the, the user agreement, is that if you are in the same house and you, you can have it playing on up to four different devices in your house at the same time. So it really shouldn't affect you at all on that level, if we understand it correctly. All right. What's next? 
from El Cartoon. Uh, been a fan since movie blog days with D&D. Oh, thank you, man. And a subscriber since AMC days. Just saying hi and thanks. Oh, thank you so much for the El Cartoon. And I, I've always... I recognize the username because that's such a cool username. And he's got a cartoon thing as his avatar. So thank you so much for that, Al Cartoon. Appreciate that, man. It's good to have you here. All right, what's next? From Jerome again, did anybody finish The Boys Diabolical? I haven't really been able to bring myself to start it. Now, I have heard good things. It's fun. Yeah, me too. I've heard good things. It's just that I thought the trailer was so bad. But I will. I am going to check it out because you you did watch it. Yeah, I've I'm got just finished the Aquafina episode, so I still have a few episodes left. Um, but it's really fun. It's really ridiculous and violent. There's a lot of potty humor. Um, it might be a little too risque for for DJ or for Chef Pleasures over here. I almost called you DJ Pleasures. I, I, I actually watched <laughs> the DJ first two Pleasures. episodes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you bad. saw it. Oh, okay, yeah, it was like a Looney Tunes on like crack. I said yeah. or something like that. It's just like real heck and violent, but fun. Yeah. All right. Okay, I'm going to have to check it out at some point. All right, what's next? Uh, gone with the Cheddar. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's 70 degrees in the ch- Chai. Oh, in Chicago. And beautiful. You're all w- watching Winning Time. The Cheddar is digging it. That oh. the score. Oh, we. I the new episode yesterday. Okay. And I watched it. So I was behind you on watching the episodes because I hadn't watched episode two. So last night, Ann and I sat down to watch episode two. And then we noticed, oh, the new one's up too. Watch episode three. God, I am loving this show. It's so good. It's good. Jason Clark <laughs> as Jerry West is one of the best things on TV. And when he meets Red Arbach, and I can't remember if I'm giving away something in episode three. Yet. Does Red Arbach show up in episode two? I two. can't remember. Okay, he does show up in there. I'm like, that voice, I know who this is. Who is this? Oh, my God. Because you look at Jerry West in the show, you don't think that's Jason Clark. It's Jason Clark. And then I'm like, who is that? Who is Come that? Come on, Damn dude. It. Come on. Who is it? Michael Chiklis. Michael Chiklis. Red was so good. And then you've got Academy Award winner uh, from The Pianist. Uh, Adrian, Adrian Brody. 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 As Pat Riley. As Pat Riley. I'm like, what are they doing? Then Anne instantly recognized the girl from Community as Pat Riley's wife. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my. Like, just And how about the little girl from Sally Sleepless Field. in Seattle? I, who's that? She plays the the who's the the severe woman that's running that's going to run the for. Uh, that's the little girl. Super. Yeah. Yep. She's been doing tons of stuff. Like the the older exec. Yes. Woman? Well, then how about Sally Field showing up as as his mom? Uh, uh, dude. The, the cast is insane. It's crazy good. It's this, crazy. this show is really good. So if you're not a sports person, though, is this definitely worth a watch and everything? I think so. I think you okay. could, the drama of it is fascinating. And here's one of the things that I, I really appreciate. You'll love it. It's, yeah? it's okay. not fairy tailing Magic Johnson. No. Which I thought they might do. But they are very open. Like, the show is showing a, the character flaws of Magic Johnson. Although I as love... a great kid, is a great guy, but... He had his flaws. The actor that plays him is great. He's wonderful. Too. Mm-hmm. The okay. casting of this is so good. The scene when Red Arbach meets Jerry Buss, you know, in the, in the, in the, st- <laughs> I, I, I want to be, if I could be any character that's in any media right now, I want to be John C. Riley. I want to be him. You know, I, I don't want to be him. Best. I want to hang out with him. I want to be him. But I mean, but also with, with Jerry Buss, like they're not over romanticizing Buss either. No. Because like, while he is a great guy and a hero in this, like he's also incredibly chauvinistic. It, it was a different time though. Yeah, man. It was a different time. But when he brings Red Arbach over to the table with all the models, he goes, 
Uh, so I'm thinking after dinner, these girls will be joining us for dessert, if you know what I mean. It's like, you can't say that yeah. today. But but it, you're right. I, I agree. I understand, Ray. That's part of the time. But even though it's a different time, the purpose of current media is to go, wasn't that messed up? Yes. Yeah. And, and they kind of bananas but, we allowed that? But man, what I couldn't get over to is Jerry West is walking to these events and he's literally got a shirt buttoned down, unbuttoned down to his navel. It's awesome. Like, it's like the shirt is just always like... Remember, he's open. Dr. Jerry he Buss. He's Dr. Jerry <laughs> Buss. And then I think I told you, it just, I was stumbling around YouTube and I came across... I used to watch a lot of poker videos and he's in a lot. He played in a lot of big games and he was really funny too, playing in these big games. Anyway. That show is wild. It's really good. So far. Good. Okay. Logan's a big basketball guy, so he was like, do you want me to wait to watch this with you? And I was like, yeah, no. You know what? Because okay. while it is about basketball, it's about the creation of anything great Sweet. by crazy creators. Well, the whole show people. starts off with Jerry Buss laying in bed with some college-age girl <laughs> beside him, sleeping. Playmate. And and it's it's all it's all kind of fourth wall breaking. Like it's like the characters are constantly talking to us, the audience, mm -hmm. right? Kind of laying, laying narration. But it just the whole beginning of this show is Jerry Buss saying basketball is likened unto great sex, and he goes on to describe what it is, and that's why he's fascinated with it and blah blah blah. But it's I'm telling you, it has been fascinating to watch. And some of the hardcore Laker or Celtics fans, just the little parts of the Laker Celtics rivalry that they've shown will get you, you heated will get you a, you yeah. know that fuel burning or the fire burning again i don't know well it's funny because i came from seattle which had the supersonics and we won the world championship in 78 79 and all through the 80s you know this laker dynasty existed and when i moved to california in 1988 the lakers won the championship that year and i had never been in a city that was so I mean, consumed, yeah, consumed by the Lakers. So seeing the show has been giving me a lot of insight into what that culture was like. I love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. All right. What's next? All right. From Raymond again. There's a DeLorean Mandalorian. Christopher Lloyd cast <laughs> yeah. in season three. Mandal <laughs> DeLorean Mandalorian. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he's going to play in there, Raymond. I haven't read the full report yet, but it's. It's going to be interesting to see. All right, what's next? Sam Fisher, if Lloyd's character isn't named Del Orion, what was the point? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I wouldn't put that by John Favreau. I wouldn't put that I'll by call him Orion Del. Or Orion That's a Del. Star Orion it's a Del. very Star Wars sounding yeah, name. Yeah, Orion Del. Okay, okay, Rob just cracked the code, Sam. He just cracked the code. All right, what's next? All right, from Casey Mack again. Hey, John and crew, have you guys seen the trailer for The Quarry? No, it's not a movie. It's actually a summer camp horror, horror video game, and it's from the makers of Until Dawn. Looks very interesting. Yes. Are you familiar with this trailer? Right? I know. I but I, I've seen the. I, I read about it because it uh, came onto my Xbox feed, and I was like, this is the type of game that all of us as a group have to play together. It seems like a really cool game. It's like. Uh, Okay, I'm gonna have to check this out. Yeah, yeah, it, it looks like one of those movie sort of games. Yeah. It's our it's new like show David right Arquette's there. in there. Um, I think Justice Smith is in there. It's um, really? and these these kinds of games too are terrifying because until dawn, there's all these different ways yep. that you can die and everything. It's kind of a choose your own adventure. Um, again, as someone who doesn't do well with horror, these games 
are so awful for me where it's like throwing controllers and running out of the room kind of situation. Wow. So it'll be great content, y'all. Yeah. Um, but this looks really, really spooky and really, really just excellent animation. Um, they usually do these through mocap as well. So it's the likenesses of the characters, of the actors playing <laughs> you, them, which is fun. You don't remember until jo uh, Don John? John? Don? No. With, Hayden uh, Panettiere. Yeah, with Hayden Panettiere. No. Uh, Remy Malik's in it too, which yep. is bananas. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. All right, what's next? All right, from Stubble McShave, Basic Instinct continued. My friend's very conservative parents joined us in front of the TV and watched it along with us. It was, uh, it was one very awkward moment. I <laughs> don't care how old I get. If I'm with my parents and something <laughs> comes on TV... I don't think my parents give a shit. I get as uncomfortable as hell. I still do. And I probably always will. <laughs> I get completely uncomfortable with it. I, I, I don't know. Either you, you probably guys, should, though. I, That's yeah. healthy. I still get uncomfortable. My mom's so funny, though. We're like, we were watching The Night Manager together, and oh, there's wow. a scene where like he like takes her and starts having sex with her against a wall. My mom was like, who is this fun for? Oh, you don't Damn. just rush into that. It was like, good job. Thanks, who Marie. Who is this fun for? for? All right, what's next? All right, from My Comic Planet, sending a $20 super chat. Thank you, My Comic Planet. Okay, this story surprised me. Rachel Ziegler, who was the lead in one of the most nominated films of the year, including Best Picture, was not even invited to the Oscars. I need your help with this one, John. How is that possible? Uh, again, look, you you probably missed the very opening of the show. It was the very first, one of the first things we talked about today. Mm -hmm. I, I I just don't get it. I don't, again, uh, oversights happen. Things fall through the cracks. And this is a small issue. Somebody, you know, one of the seats at the theater. But once you get to the point where you find out where Rachel writes on social media, yeah, I actually reached out and tried to get tickets and they won't give me one. What? One of the hottest young stars today who is the lead in the Best Picture nominated film and is about to be a lead in a major Disney film and you don't let her come to the Oscars? Look, look I'm, I get it. There's only so many seats. Or not everybody can go. She's the lead in the Best yeah. Picture nominated film. You, someone's going to have to explain. Again, I honestly do expect the Academy to make some kind of statement about this. I really do. Because this is a black eye. I guess not the most major thing in the world, but it is a black eye. And ex I expect it to be addressed. I wouldn't be surprised if we have something from them by tomorrow, but we'll find out. She'll be going to the Oscars if, if, if for no other reason than this show. Well, yeah, I, I believe she will be there. Uh, at least I hope she is. All right, what's next? Orlando Orego. Hey, John and crew. Fingers crossed to Chris for getting a new vehicle coming soon. Yep. Thank you, should. Uh, with news of new variants around the world again, it looks like the box office uh, will be an issue again. I hope not, but we will see. Well, you know what? I've been keeping an eye on things. and I, I go obsessively every day to the CDC site, and I track the charts about where... You know, new cases per day charts in the U.S. Let me see if I can bring it up here. On We're my doing thing. pretty good I'm here. Confused. I thought, does that mean that Tom Cruise is going to play Tony Stark? Huh? <laughs> sorry. I, know, I, sorry. I see what you did there. I wasn't paying attention there. <laughs> sorry. But I mean, like. Because that would bolster the box office. This is the, this is the chart that I, I go to this chart every day. And just track so you can see how bad it started to get there. And then, you know, we're still really on the down 
the downward trend here. So, I mean, I don't know. Fingers crossed. Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, I'm not, I'm going to just continue to hope for the best. So we'll see where we're at. All right, what's next? All right, from Edmontonian, sending in a $15 super chat. Thank, Thank you so much. Hey, y'all, I'm heading to Palm Springs for wow, May. Wow, I was just there. That's where I was playing uh, poker on Saturday. I was in Palm Springs on Saturday. Uh, long weekend, first time across the border in two years. Should I head into L.A. for a special Doctor Strange experience? Where should I go? You guys doing any fan screenings? <laughs> we, I think we will try to do a fan screening for Doctor Strange. That'd be dope, That'd be great. dude. Uh, so I will definitely keep you uh, up to date on that. I don't know... I only know what the poker situation in Palm Springs is. I honestly don't know what their movie theater situation is. I'm sure there are movie theaters there. Oh, yeah. But listen, it's not, I think, two less than two hours you can be, or around two hours you can be in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in close to the area and you're coming down from Edmonton, I would take a drive in and see if you can watch Doctor Strange at the Chinese or the AMC Burbank 16 or whatever, or keep your eyes open to see if we have a fan screen and you have it coming around that time. Either way, Edmontonian, I do love Edmonton. I spend a good amount of time there. But uh, do uh, do have a great time, man. I'm a huge fan of Edmonton, dude. Free Enterprise played in Edmonton at the local Heroes Film Festival. Ooh. And I got to meet Arthur Hiller, who directed The Americanization of Emily. One of the home of one of the greatest dynasties in sports history with the uh, with the Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, Yari Curry, Grant Fuhrer, Paul Coffey. Uh, I mean, Edmonton Oilers. It's uh, one of the greatest. It's uh, also very cold in Edmonton. In the winter. In the winter. In the winter. Plus, yes. he, he could also find like uh, a bunch of little f- food places in that Hollywood area. Like, I forgot if that diner is still open. They, I think it closed, right? That, what was it? Was it a Mimi's Diner? Something the one like right that? by right, right by the corner of Hollywood and Highland. There Mel's? was that. Uh, Mel's Diner. Mel's. Yeah. Yeah. Did they close that? No, Mel's is still oh, yeah. there. Yeah, you could go there, get some food there. In the Roosevelt Hotel, there's a really oh. cool place the roosevelt is amazing yeah the you know, really nice. and then there's the funko yeah. shop and then sometimes they have the farmer's oh, the market funko shop the is so cool yeah. who cares about the farmer's market you can oh, get delightful. one of those everywhere people who could care about the farmer's yeah, market the farmer, those, but the farmer's market everywhere. i mean there's nothing special yeah. about the, but the farmer's one. market at the grove is pretty it's cool beautiful. well i mean that's a full-time established yeah. thing. Yeah. it's not like a pop-up thing it's worth seeing though but i mean the funko shop though you definitely gotta try to check that out all right what's next from james more likely to be first, LGBTQ animated Disney lead or any animated movie winning Best Picture at the Oscars? Uh, the first. Agreed. I mean, it, look, first of all, look, there are 500 plus eligible films in the running for Best Picture every year. There's only a handful of animated features every year. So that already means that the chances of an animated film winning Best Picture are already, just statistically speaking, incredibly small. Well, yeah. Only three historically have been nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, it's been only Beauty three. and the Beast, Up, and uh, Toy Story Toy 3. Toy Story 3. They're the only three that have ever been nominated. But again, when you compare the amount of live-action features made every year compared to animated features, it's a very tiny percentage. Mm. So I would probably go with the first one there, James. And, and, I, and I expect that'll probably happen sometime in the next five yeah. years. There's already been characters, too, where the actors yes. playing them have said, I absolutely believe this is an LGBTQ character. Well, just go it to, hasn't um, been said by Disney. Well, no, it, or just, even just go to uh, Onward. Mm-hmm. Like one of the characters in there talks about their same-sex partnership yeah. and blah, blah. So we're already seeing it. I, so I don't think it'll be long before we see that lead. But it, it could be forever until we see it win. Yeah. But again, that's not... Oh, the Academy has a thing against it. I'm not saying that. It's just that statistically speaking, they are such a small percentage of the overall yeah. movies that come out mm-hmm. that it statistically drastically lessens their chances. Yeah. All right, what's next? 
All right, from Bobby Jackson. John, I know you don't want a DC Marvel crossover, but how about a Pierce Brosnan, Dr. Fate cameo in Multiverse of Madness? Nah. <laughs> and, and let's be clear. I'm not saying I don't want it. I'm just saying that would be a mess. Also, we haven't mm, met a- Dr. Fate yet. Yeah. So and we're not going to have met Dr. Fate. Yeah. But I mean, that. I mean that, uh, look, again, so let me be clear. I'm not saying I wouldn't want or wouldn't be fun or interesting, but it would make nobody happy. Unless you just make a terrible movie, because like, how do you develop a story with and which characters do you include? and Which characters do you not it, it, like it would just I think it would just be a bloody mess. Dude, are you telling me if there wasn't a glimpse of Peacemaker and Multiverse of Madness, you wouldn't chuckle? OK, let's visit that for a second. <laughs> Remember, we were talking about before about cameos and fan service. Sure, we did. We had a good conversation when it's done that. in service to the stereo into the to the story and the narrative. It's great. When it's not, it's pointless. Yeah, you might be able to get me to smile and giggle for a second. But ultimately, like long term, it actually detracts and takes away from the movie. So, yeah, in that moment, if I saw Peacemaker pop up for a second, would I giggle? Sure. But in the long term, I'm going to look at that and go, that was kind of dumb. Okay, let me throw it It takes away from the story. You know, one of Superman's weaknesses is magic. Mm -hmm. In the comics, it has never been said that in the movies. What if Henry Cavill in his universe was defeated by Wanda Maximoff using chaos magic? Well, what if? What, wouldn't that be cool? No. Like you saw a glimpse of- <laughs> No, there's nothing, there's nothing cool about that. Cool. For what? Come what's, on. The, what's the story? What's the point? How does it drive? Well, the- it was a, that was a part. That was a universe that was destroyed by Wanda Maximoff, and even Superman and couldn't Superman prevent. Superman was in it, but again, couldn't would, prevent it. There was happening. no, there was no reason for that to be a part of it. it. It doesn't connect to anything in any way. It would be pointless. Well, it would show just how powerful she is. She defeats Superman. I, I, well, saying she destroys the entire universe of whatever universe she's coming from, I think, pretty much says enough. I'm just saying. I think we'll see an animated movie He's with Marvel no and DC more likely than a. Well, yeah, because it's happened in the comic yeah. books on a couple of occasions, right? It, it's happened in the comic books, so it could very well happen in an animated way, for sure. I'm going to set up my hot toys with Henry Cavill fighting Mac- Maximum. I mean, that's Just great for fun. a hot toy set I'm going to do that today. All right, what's next? <laughs> All right, from Bailey Fuller. Game week. Halo, Atlanta, Bridgerton, and more. Happy 10 years to WrestleMania, 28 Rock versus Cena, Once in a Lifetime, Love from Australia, biggest fan. Does does Atlanta come back this week? I know it was coming back soon. but I don't know, but I love Atlanta. I have have been... God, how long has it been since the last? There's Atlanta? been a bunch of previews on uh, in the commercials on TV. Yeah, lately. yeah, but I, just, I, you know what? I've never paid. All I've paid attention to is the trailers are going. Oh my God, this looks like it's going to be so good. But I haven't paid attention to what the actual launch date is. But is it this week? I mean, I don't care about Bridgerton. I'm not going to lie. But uh, Atlanta, that I've been waiting to return, I, Bailey. I also want to thank Bailey for offering me a, a copy of the 2K22 that I'm going to buy pretty soon. I, I just appreciate that, but. I'm going to get that game pretty soon. The WWE 2K22. All right. What's next? From Super Critic. Saw your discussion on Robin. Never saw him as a 12-year-old. Always thought he was mid-teens, 15, 16, 17. In New 52, Dick becomes uh, Robin at 16 and Nightwing at 21. Well, see, this is what we've been saying. Like, it, it depends on if you want to go with the traditional. Because Robin became Robin when he was 11, I believe. It might have even been 10, but let's go with 11, something somewhere around there. It was extremely young. And the traditional Robin has always been that age. Now, I've always said you can do Robin, but you've got to age him up because even 15, 16 isn't enough. Like Batman is not going to take a, chi- a powerless child, a 
maybe in the comic books, maybe in cartoons, but in a live action, more grounded feeling thing, Bruce Wayne is not taking a 15 year old child who is good at swinging a stick into combat against the mob and supervillains and things where that child can die. Could happen. <laughs> um, it's just not going to happen. Now, I, But I've always said, if you bring adaptation to it, you say he's 20, you say he's 21, you do then this starts to work. But I'm just, I've always said just the, the traditional understanding and model Both. of Robin, it, it just can't work. But look what happened to Jason Todd in the comics. Yeah. He got blown up. And honestly, would have happened in, in a real movie. That's what happens to a child going out trying to fight mobsters day one. They get shot, they die. I mean, and that's, that's just it. And again, nobody come at me with this. Well, Spider-Man's a high school student. Spider-Man has the powers of the gods. Okay, you want to say Robin has the powers of the gods who can lift a city bus over his head and has magical Spidey sense. We'll call them his Robin sense where he can sense and detect danger and then use his superhuman speed and agility to dodge bullets. Hey, then that's fine. Until then, don't compare Robin to Spider-Man. It's, 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 it's an apples to lug nuts comparison. All right, what's next? From My Comic Planet, one of two. In a recent interview with Variety, Francis Ford Coppola, who has been pretty critical of Marvel movies in the past, said this about Deadpool. I liked Deadpool. I thought it was amazing. Say it ain't so, Mr. Coppola. John, I guess MCU critics can change. MCU and critics. Yeah, I, I look again, even Marty Scorsese in the height of in the height of when all the controversy is going around, but his statements about comic book movies aren't real cinema. He's pointed out comic book movies that he really likes. I mean, I think what we are guilty of like, and by we, I mean us movie fans we're guilty of. And I think maybe all of society we're guilty of. We take one statement ba- made by somebody and we think that that one statement actually paints the totality of their worldview when really it probably doesn't. And so I'm not surprised to hear that from, uh, from Coppola. So, uh, but it's good to hear it anyway. All right. What's next? Uh, nightmare narrative. Hey guys, what movie did you watch as a kid and defend to this day about how good it is? Mine is the borrowers. Oh, uh, Pete's dragon. The original. Yeah, my my I saw my parents. I was very 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 young, but I, my parents took me. I think maybe to see Star Wars or the Drive, and I think maybe Peach Dragon was the second feature that played with it or something like that, and it always stuck with me. So I was really big on it when they did the remake, and I like the remake with Robert Redford and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I like Peach Dragon, but I I remember the original. What about you? I don't know. I mean, defending movies since I was a kid, probably. There's a Franco Italian co-production called wild wild planet that was made in 1965 that's about a fusion a scientist is going to fuse men and women together to create one super being talk about being progressive it's some of the best horror sci-fi you'll ever see watch the trailer wild wild planet little nemo adventures in dreamland what is that it is based on a french comic book it is a uh, film about a little boy who goes off to dreamland. Uh, Mickey Rooney is in it. What? And little Nemo has to defend uh, things against the nightmare creatures. And he has to say magical things like Kazama pajama to keep things at bay. It's wonderful. All right. What's next? 
from my comic planet again that pre-visual effect scene of the green goblin and spider-man fighting on the bridge in no way home looked pretty awesome did you see it john i have not seen it um i, I haven't seen really any I, I mean i've only seen some images and a few things that slipped on social media but as of right now i've still not watched any of the special features of it i i will at some point but i have not gotten around to checking those out quite yet Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank a sponsor of today's video, HelloFresh. So guys, look, my wife Anne and I were both working professionals, so we know how tricky, difficult, and time-consuming it can be to try to eat properly and prepare your own meals at home. And that's why, like over a year ago, we started using HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. I mean, you skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and probably most importantly, affordable. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your orders online or right in the app. Easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need to. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the exact same quality, and you can save on average over $65 a month when you order HelloFresh instead of going grocery shopping. So guys, I'm telling you, whether you are single or have a family, you are going to love HelloFresh. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Campia16 and use the promo code Campia16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's again, HelloFresh.com slash Campia16 and use that promo code Campia16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And thank you to the folks at HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys. With that down, let's keep on going here with our last set of questions. What do we got next, Chris? All right, from Bobby Jackson. With No Way Home at 1.87 billion worldwide, do you think it would have reached 2 billion if it opened in China? I don't. I, 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 I don't think it would have made 130 million in China. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know that, maybe. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, though, had it happened at any other time in history, if this movie had opened... January of 2020, December of 2019, easily a $2 billion film. Easily. And then some. How much more? Don't know. But I, I think it easily. But I'm not I'm not convinced, especially seeing like the Batman making like $33 million in China. I'm not convinced that a China release date would have made that make or break difference. I don't know, Rob, what do you think? I, I think you're probably right. I mean, this isn't the MCU. You know, this isn't the kind of movie... We looked into that once before, and it's not like the Batman movies have always burned up the Chinese box office. Right. Well, now we're, of course, talking about the Spider-Man ones. Would Spider-Man have made two? Another, do you think Spider-Man would have made $130 million in, in China? I'm not so sure. Well, I, no, I don't think it would have either. I mean, but the MCU's done, traditionally done quite well. But, you know, they haven't released Eternals, and they haven't released, um, they didn't release Black Widow, and they didn't release Shang-Chi. So I think Spider-Man was the first... Wasn't it the first MCU in three, four movies that got in China? It didn't get in China. It didn't. No, that's he's asking, yeah. do we think it could have made $2 billion if it had been released That's what in I China? thought. It didn't get into China. Yeah, no, it didn't. So it's been four movies now that haven't gone into China. I think there were more before that, too. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I thought he was talking about superhero movies in general. No, just but basically. I, I, don't, I don't think it would have been that much, maybe. Yeah, I'm not Plus, so sure about that. remember, either. the Chinese box office does not return as much money to us, to the studios. Well, meaning 
the motion picture studios as other places do sure, either. But it still would have counted towards this box office, of regardless of how much they kept. So True. I don't know. It's it's a good question, Bobby. But had it opened in a non-pandemic era, easily. I think easily $2 billion. All right, what's next? From my comic planet, uh, one of two. American Cinema Editors is trying to get the Academy to reverse its decision to present eight of this year's Oscars in pre-taped segments. Do you think the Academy will give in to the pressure? No, and they absolutely should not. This is worth trying. They've got to do something. This is worth trying. And if it comes across seamless, then it will have worked and everything. And if it doesn't, then you change it for next year. But no, listen, here's the, here's the reality. Whatever changes they try to do, somebody's not going to like it and someone's going to cry. And if you're just going to not do anything, if somebody cries about it, you're never going to change anything. It's, it, that's one of the things that we learned. I remember me and Dennis Zen, we would talk about this a lot. True, true thing. We changed a light color once in the background. I mean, this happened with dozens of different things, but there was one time we, we changed this light color and Dennis said, I'm telling you, we're going to get a lot of complaints. Like, it's just a light color. Sure enough. Once we did that episode of Movie Talk and this light color was there, I don't like the new light color. Mm-hmm. Justice for the old light color. Or like whatever, like all this kind of stuff. And it's like, look, if you are going to not change something just because somebody cries about it, and listen, we all cry about things, me too, then you're never going to change anything. You made a decision to give this a shot, to see if it works. This, is, this isn't a philosophical thing. This is a execution issue. Try it. And if it doesn't work, go back to it. You're not taking anything away from anybody. They have not taken away categories. They've not taken away the ability for these people to come to the Oscars unless your name is Rachel Ziegler. You have not taken away their opportunity to walk up on stage and accept the Oscar. They have not taken away the person's ability to get up and give an acceptance speech. They have not taken away the fact that that acceptance speech will be broadcast during the show. Give it a try. And to hell with the people who cry. And if it doesn't work, then you go... They were right. This one didn't work. Let's go back to the way it was and then try something different next year. And then when they try something different, there are going to be another group of people that cry about whatever changes they're going to try to make. you got to ignore it. Give it a shot. As long as it's just a procedural thing and not an overall philosophical thing. And, uh, and give it a shot. So, no, at this late stage in the game, I don't see them reversing it, and nor should they. They should definitely give it a try. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Then go back to it. But don't Say it doesn't work until we've seen it in uh, in things. So I don't think they're going to change it. All right, what's next? RJ Technovine. Yes, going to see Morbius on hashtag Moon Knight episode one day. Well, that Moon Knight episode one. Okay, follow me here. Theoretically, Moon Knight episode one will drop on Tuesday at midnight for us, right? Wednesday morning, Tuesday at midnight for us. So I think... Morbius launches the first, aka March. Th- uh, is it the same day? Well, it would be no, because it be isn't there thirty-one days in March? Yeah, let me. I should open up a calendar here and take a quick peek here. So, okay, so yes, so this is what I got here. Morbius opens on April first, so it it's first, so it will actually come out on Thursday, the thirty-first. Moon Knight officially is. Wednesday the 30th, which is the day before the 31st. But for us, actually, it's late, late Tuesday night, the 29th. So it's not the same day, but it's close enough. It's close enough. All right, what's next? From Jerome, uh, in hindsight, you think Game of Thrones should have should have done a two-part final finale season? 
No, the the question is is not whether they should have done a part one, part two. That's that's not the issue. The issue is how many episodes. Period. It should have been. Listen, I am a defender, and I will stay this way forever. I am a defender of the final season of Game of Thrones. I thought it was great, and it set the record for most Emmy wins and all this kind of stuff. But I thought it was wonderful. But even I, a defender of the final season, will say it was definitely rushed. And there's no excuse for it because the showrunners were told by HBO, you can make this as many episodes as you want. Please make it more episodes. And it was the showrunners that just went, nah, nah. And they did a great job. Listen, it's probably the most pop culturally relevant television show in history. They did a great job. But that final season should have had three or four Minimum, three or four more episodes. Not a, It's not an issue of part one and part two. It should have had more episodes, and there is no excuse other than the fact that they just wanted to move on. And if that's the case, then you should have said, you know what, we are not going to show run the final season. We'll let somebody else show run the final season so it can have a full and proper final season. So if they didn't want to do a real full final season, they should have bowed out and let HBO put in new showrunners to carry on the story a proper amount of time because again i am a defender of the final season but i thought it was it was it was rushed there's no doubt about it. i don't know rob what do you think should it have been longer? i agree with you i think every season should have been 10 episodes i think they 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 had a format that really really worked and they when they started to change the format i think it hurt the show all right what is next from jacob will andrew garfield be in the sony marvel verse i don't think so but after what we just heard from Espinoza, you you can't deny it's a possibility. So I would say right now, look, if I had to put a dollar on it, I'd say no. But I wouldn't also I wouldn't bet a dollar against it either. I mean, not with what we just heard. So fingers crossed, but I'm not going to expect it, Jacob. All right, what's next? From John Redcorn, uh, predictions for box office predictions for Morbius and Sonic Two. I have no idea. I, I mean, it's I Morbius. I'm going to say opening weekend of. 55 million. I'll, I'll go 55 million for an opening weekend. Morbius Sonic 2, no idea. Um, there hasn't been a lot lately in the theaters for families to go to. Right. So that could be big, but they they haven't done a great job marketing it either. So, I mean, I really don't know. Do either of you guys have a guess for Sonic? I think it'll do well. But define well. What would 75 million. Weekend? Yeah. 75 million. That sounds good to me. You're going to go for, yeah. for that? But Mor- Morbius, dude, I have no sense of it at all. Like, I can't. If the movie turns out to not be very good, all bets are off. And it is a vampire movie. I think that there's, it's a lesser character. I mean, I, I, I could see this movie maybe turning out to be a disappointment. But that's only because I don't know anything about it other than what it is. Other than what I hope, it is. I mean, I I know that it's a it's a it's a Marvel Comics character, vampire, a lesser known character that people are wondering what is this? And your general movie going population sees it as a vampire movie. Like if you don't like vampire movies or it's not your jam, I don't know if it can get people excited. All right, what's next? Bobby Jackson. Not to get into the Pain Olympics, but. W- uh, what would be more painful for you? Losing your parents as a child, a la Bruce Wayne, or losing your uncle and first girlfriend as a teenager? If that's Spider-Man, then also both your parents are dead. Yeah, so you you did both. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's the double whammy there. You're, that, you're uh, a, like a triple orphan. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I think the child, I mean, look, I'm no psychologist. My guess is the, ch the childhood trauma will have more of an impact on your life overall. But as a teenager, you probably be more cognizant of your loss as a teenager. Particularly, it's not just your uncle uh, or your girlfriend. It's your uncle that raised you. That was yeah. your surrogate father. So it's really the same thing here. If, and if your girlfriend, where do you feel responsible her, for her death because of that no lovely little web snap noise in the comic? Oh, Did that, I kill Gwen? I'll tell you what, that was the... Think whatever you want about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. That way that entire scene was done. Like when she dies at the end, it was shocking. Yeah. I mean, even for people who knew what happened in the comic books, it was still shocking. That was I couldn't so believe well they actually did it. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little bit shocked by that too. All right. What's next? From Beast Gaming. Do you guys think Obi-Wan will definitely fight Vader in the new series? I think they pretty much said he will. Yeah. I, I think they've actually acknowledged that there will be a confrontation. So yes, I believe they definitely will. All right, what's next? And then we've just got some support here. Wyatt and Marie sending in $3 Super Chats. Thanks, y'all. All right, thank you, guys. And guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campia Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those Super Chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much. For your support again guys don't forget tomorrow at 4 p.m so after the john campus show tomorrow but at 4 p.m pacific standard time we've got our next installment of movie club and we're going to be talking about one of the greatest cinematic achievements of all time the godfather celebrating its 50th anniversary make sure you guys not only come back for the john campus show tomorrow but join us for that as well all right i want to thank everybody sitting in the room with me robert meyer burnett Chris Carr, Ray Orr is over there. My name's John Campion, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.